Welcome to the Prime Talk with your hosts, Dan and James. We're now up to the random encounter, which is the interesting part, in that, if I recall, right, the Charon demon had to, was defeated because we had the divine intervention of the leopard, right? Mm. Are you not right? You know I, I don't why pay am attention. I, why am I asking you? Why am I Wait, asking? Wait, now the leopard lost. Surely the leopard lost. Didn't he run away from fear or something? Did How he, could a leopard beat a Sharon demon? What? So uh, I'm glad. What? I, I totally forgot what happened, and I should have watched it beforehand. I, <laughs> I thought, uh, I, I was under the impression that the Sharon demon was fighting a leopard, and then we, we rolled divine intervention. And that, oh, and that and we, he came. And the thing, yeah, something oh, came. Oh, something did come. A right. cat lord. Yes, the cat lord. And, and there that, was a battle between the cat lord. Yeah, and that was it. I act like this was like five years ago. Right, this was literally fourteen days ago. <laughs> literally, <laughs> we have no idea. Yeah, I forgot. I forgot. So I, I think we have to roll up two new random encounters. I think. Oh. Huh. You know what? That's maybe not a bad idea. I wonder if also you should only have so many victories and you got to retire. Right. Yeah. You know, like Jeopardy when it used back in the day, you could only have five victories. Oh, you got a great idea. Mm -hmm. We should have super. We should have super random counter. We should have like a battle between some of our all-time favorites, like a battle royal. Oh yeah, bring a tournament of champions. Okay. Exactly. Bring them back. Like Go Delicious comes back. Like everyone, people could pick. Maybe like right. some of our patrons or something. That could be. Only if you're high level. Another another way to get more money. Um, y if you're a high level patron, you can uh, pick your favorite. This is good, right? Is yeah, I like it. I'm writing it down. I'm writing it down. Right. This yeah, is the, the battle royal. Battle royale. I love it. Yeah. Oh, royale. Fancy. With cheese. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> so uh, we need now two monsters. Then, if we're going to do that, I agree okay. with your rule. Thank you. So is the is the Dorso roll going to apply for either all of both books, both monsters, or none, or for one and one, do you think? I think, I think the Dorso rule applies for both of them. Got it. Uh, because he's on. If he wasn't on, it wouldn't count then, but he's oh, on. Oh, Vic is on? Absolutely okay. he's on. Oh, well, because we got to watch what we say about him. Yeah. you got to warn me. Well, and, and he doesn't seem to be fearful of the plague. He's, uh, he keeps tweeting he's driving here, there, and everywhere. So he will come down. Yeah, that's his job. He, he has no problem with that. All okay, right. so it's a one, two, or three, I think, is the Dorso rule. Is that right? Or what does it matter? Uh, yes, one, two, three is the Dorso rule, correct. Okay, well, okay, one, it's a two. So two we're using... Fiend Folio for the first monster. Got it. Okay, you want to roll? Well, I, yeah. Oh, wait, who's looking? Who's, who's rolling? Who's looking? Uh, I think I'll roll. I got the, I got the Gary Khan dice in, in honor of the dice, the game that didn't happen. Yes, that's right. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's see. You're rolling a die 10. Die right? 10. Okay, I can do that. Two. Oh, you're in a dungeon, my friend. And so now it has to be monster level. Okay, same, le same dice. I assume it's going to be 10, right? Yep. Six. Ooh, that's serious. Okay. I'm flipping. You're flipping. Uh, the flip. This virus okay. will not take flipping from us. That's good. All right, now. <laughs> Go ahead. So, uh, monster level. Okay, so uh, now it is a percentile. You're a monster level. Okay, wonderful. Six. 
77. I do not know what this is. It only has one number. It is a Terethran. T-E-R-I-T-H-R-A-N. Ter- the, the word is Terethran. <laughs> oh, I should have had you spell it. Can you put that in the oh. sentence? No, we should. That's another fun game. Um, a spelling bee. A spelling bee of, of words here? Yes. Like oh. Jubilex or Terethran, you know? There, All right, I think... I have no idea what a Terethran is, so that's, that's a good one. Oh, it's got an AC in parentheses. Oh, oh, it moves very fast. Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, it's got three attacks. Now I know this one. You do? Well, I've seen it before. I don't think I've ever used it, but uh, oh. Terethran. Ah, the uh, Chamberlain Most August from Australia is on. Hello, sir. Welcome to the land uh, during the plague. Um, Hello. Yeah, welcome to the abyss. That's right, welcome to the abyss, level one. Only 665 layer, layers to go. And so every, every time we'll do a layer. I think this is a good idea until the plague is over. I like that. Yeah, that's going to be so. Next next time we'll be on in the second layer of the abyss. Because we figured it is kind of it's it's chaos, right? And, and it's evil. And it's evil, and it's des- and we're descending into madness. So um, right, it's not so bad right now. All right. So the Terathan, they're from the ether- ethereal plane. This is yeah. on page eighty-seven of the Fiend Folio, which I'll share with our dear friends out there. There it is. Boom. Yeah. Terathan. You all see it? Now they see it. Uh. A short, a short, four foot tall. Oh, too bright. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. You keep talking. Okay. With long, sinewy arms and an unusually large, misshapen head. It sounds like some people we know. There you go. When, when on the prime material plane, it has a faint, shadowy appearance, though not so faint as a non-corporeal monster which gives it AC3, that its actual AC is 6. Figures in parentheses above refer to characteristics on the ethereal plane. In normal melee, the creature fights with two claws for two to five hit points of damage each, but it will try to avoid this type of fighting if possible. So it's, oh boy. Yeah. To make full use of its unique magical powers. Oh, James, it's such a long entry. That's right. This is like 10, this is a page and a half. All right, let's roll oh. with the second guy before we worry about this. Because if it's like <laughs> a red dragon, it won't matter. I'll keep reading on this while you roll. Yeah, you you learn about, and you report out. Okay. So James, you, yeah, you learn up on the Terathran. Yep. And report out. All right. So let's do the dorsal rule again for, okay. uh, for this. Four this time. So we're in the monster oh. manual. Yes. Oh, I'm so gotcha. Okay. Go to the monster manual. Yes. Yeah, so you just tell me what to roll. Oh wait, that's the monster manual too, isn't it? Yes, that's correct. I'll be right back. Um, Hang more, on. It's just I see it right there. We've got a request for more drones. So that's what people want. Uh, could it's be. a more drone. Oh, they're the lawful neutral uh, monster creatures from the plane of uh, Nirvana. Is that Nirvana? Hmm. I think it is. Which one is it? Is it Nirvana, Lawful and Neutral? I don't remember. I should know. That's my, it's my alignment. Slap. Okay. Yeah, from Nirvana. All right, good. See? Yay for us. All right, give it a roll. All right, from Nirvana. Excellent. Okay, uh, what am die, I rolling? Die 10. Ugh, one. Dungeon. Okay, all good. Dungeon level? Don't complain. We're in the abyss is what happens. Yes, yes. dungeon level. <laughs> one. <laughs> I'm thinking the Terathran is going to win. Possibly. Okay. Uh, now you're rolling that nonsense, the 2 to 20 or whatever. Oh, yep. D8 and the D12. 12. Orc. We had an orc. Don't, 
Don't we have to re-roll then, or we keep doing an orc? No, I think we said we don't, because you're not learning anything new about the monster. That's right. So we have to re-roll. This re is supposed to, supposed to be educational. Right, re-roll. Ten. Orc. <laughs> <laughs> bat. Bat? Bat. For this time, bat is perfect. Hey, Remember no. The that's a negative view about bats. I object. That's, that's nothing negative about it. Apparently... Where's Carlos Lysing? He loves bats. I'm not against, I'm not anti-bat. It's just very apropos that you picked the bat for this time. Where, okay, hold on. Here's first trivia question, and I don't know the answers. Where, oh, actually I do. Where is the bat? Fiend Folio or Monster Manual 2? Uh, I would say it's in the Monster Manual 2, but I don't know. I think you're, I think you're right. I think giant bat. Well, only, only in D&D will giant entries come first, right. then I think, th yeah, so I think there's just a regular, which is interesting because, you know. Well, there's a giant bat in the Fiend Folio. Which are, they're awesome. Yeah, Ordinary Bat, page 15. Why, why, bats, they're not aggressive, are they? Why do we have a bat entry? Yeah, Ordinary Bat. I, the Mobat looks pretty cool. Yeah, well, that's not what we got, we unfortunately. We, we got the ordinary bat. Here's the good news. What is the I good news? I don't think you have to learn about the magical abilities no, of our first monster. Because he's right. just going to squish the bat. Oh, wait. Oh, no. Oh, there's James. flying. There's flying. Aerial combat. That's right. This is not what? over. You know this stuff, right? What's it? How, he's supposed to have an aerial. Oh, is that the B there? The MC? What is MC on move? B. Is that his aerial combat? Yeah, that's letter? his aerial combat. All right, so let's. The bat, that, uh, that's his movement rating class. So B, he can turn pretty quickly. I feel like I'm playing a World War I <laughs> uh, air, air biplane game or yes, something. The Mobat is the evil one. This is the common one. That's right. He's AC8. He flies 24, and he has MCB, which is 60-degree turns he can make. So he can turn re relatively quickly. He does a, a whopping one point of damage if he, if he hits. So, yeah. Well, well He's, he's clearly being cornered because they will right. attack only if cornered and forced. If startled, they tend to become frightened and confused and will swarm around and fly into things. Poor thing. Oh, putting out torches, confusing spell casting. Okay. Yeah, and I, I'm going to give them that it's in a fine flying area, so he gets his AC to four, so he'll have some chance, by the way. So can I can I ask you about this because yes. you know we're supposed to be learning a little bit about the bat. Right. So what what use would you put bats to if you were writing an adventure? Scooby Doo. What? Oh, <laughs> at the beginning. That's right. They come flying out of that. So I guess it really is though. Kind of the real point is that they're designed to disrupt you, right? You walk into something, maybe you're in combat, and it adds a lot of flavor that you've got a lot of bats flying around That's and causing right. havoc. You're in a cavern. And you, what, what's the two things you worry about in a cavern normally if it wasn't bats? Oh, whichever ones fall from the top. Is it the, uh, the piercer? piercer, and there's the other. Was one something else that other everyone worries about? Oh, in a cave. Hold on. Don't tell. Give me a second. Everyone worries about. They're terrible. They're, and we have a red, picture of them back in the red day. Dra red oh, dragon. Well, red dragon would be good. Trolls? Asmodeus? No, no the, uh, the, your favorite, the one that they show the, the guy dying from it. Oh, Sturgis. Yeah, if there's a cave or a cavern, that's what everyone's yeah. looking up. They're lo or, or green slime, too, I guess. Or red dragon. Right. 
So, uh, or yeah, cloaker, but, but those, yeah, or red dragon. So this would be a nice flavor thing, because not every encounter has to be deadly. It doesn't have to be a fight for your life. It could just be some bats going through. And like in the hex crawl, hey, you know what? We're starving. Bats. Oh, no, don't go there. Too soon. Bats. Too soon. Hungry. Too soon. Is, is that a problem? Oh, my gosh. That's what you're saying. Oh, my gosh. We rolled. You're right. I didn't, is that what you were alluding yes, to? Yes, that's so right. Slow. That's right. Hey, that's why I'm, I'm like, hello. The, that's why the dice make this happen. Oh, my gosh. We got to go. He's got to go. Oh. You're right. The dice. <laughs> The dice don't lie. They gave us orc first to throw us off and said, let's we see if really, we can follow their rule. Go ahead. I'm sorry. We really are in the abyss, aren't we? We are. This is. Uh, it's laughing at us. Hell, hell on earth. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So um, this other creature does not uh, fly. Uh, so let's see. Reading quickly, because I don't have time to read this whole thing. Yeah, you're playing him. I'm playing the bat. I'm done. Okay. I'm ready. Well, I'm going to give you a special ability. If you do attack and hit, I, he's going to have to make a saving throw versus a disease. That's simple as that. Okay. Now that is now you you're you're home ruling that right. Mm -hmm. That's not official rule. Right? Well, if it's an ordinary bat. Yeah. Bats are ordinary, and we have found, regardless of this disease came from or not, we are aware that bats have disease. Just because they didn't put it here in, in the monster manual doesn't mean it's uh, um, doesn't mean it's true. They may have forgot it. It may have been omission. So okay, but we'll see. You gonna, are you gonna do like a giant rat roll? Is that what you're doing? That's right. Giant, yeah, like a giant rat roll. Exactly. Five percentage. What is it? Five like percent. Yep. Five yeah, percent. Okay. I mean, they're basically flying rats, except they're smarter. Okay. Well, they're I don't know. Is a rat smarter than a bat? Mm. Rats are pretty smart, aren't they? Yeah, I, I feel oh, like... Oh, well, well, we're looking at intelligence. Yeah, let's look at the intelligence. It's going to be animal, don't you think? Ordinary uh, bat is animal. Semi for rats. Oh, wait, so if I'm a druid, can I have a, a bat friend? Why not? If, if Is that the minimum? Uh, yeah, I think you got to be at least animal, don't you? Uh, sounds about right. You can't be too high is the problem, too, right? Animal is one, semi is two to four. So uh, I think you could. I don't remember. What, is the, what does the chat say? I think you can't be higher than the semi. Uh, I would assume animals, okay. Okay, that'd be kind of cool to have a bat as right. a friend. Right, so basically the only thing you can do, uh, as some of the people have commented, that this uh, uh, Terra Thran uh, can only be hit by silver magical weapons. They have magic resistance 50%. Oh, no. Even, even on the prime material? Oh, yeah, I guess, of course, on the prime material. Yeah. On either plane, he's 50% resistance. Um, and so generally, blah, 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 use of eight. So what's interesting about this, uh, if, if you are a certain level spell caster and you start casting spells, there's a chance uh, he will come to the material plane. Uh, it will materialize... At, if it notices disturbances, it will come, attempt to drain his power and take it back to the ethereal plane for punishment. There you go. Oh my gosh, wait. So and you're telling me this, this monster, if I'm just a magic user doing my business, I'm supposed to be, the DM's supposed to be rolling to see if this thing appears? Well, I think you have to roll for it to be here and then you say, if, you're in, in your, if it's basically an ethereal uh, 
attack here. I mean, that would be amazing. That would be almost like the earwig. Oh, you cast a high level right? spell, boom. Right? Now this Terathan. It says that the Terathran has come to dislike the swirls, eddies, and warps, which is which the use of large amounts of magic on the prime material plane causes on the ethereal plane, its homeland. So basically, he's a plain environment ecologist, environmentalist. Yeah. Right? So right. Uh, if he notices such disturbance, it will materialize in the air of the magic who's responsible and attempt to drain his power and take him back to the ethereal plane for punishment. It will only appear when magic is being used and only and then only if the magic is powerful enough but it's a magic user illusionist, which seems, I mean, he's a pretty decent guy, but you know, if you're telling me that a, a, a high level of magic user can't take care of this guy, that's, um, be surprised. Okay, hold on, okay, we got, it says, generally speaking, yes, the I use know. of a single spell will not attract the attention. Use of an eighth level magic user spell has a 20% chance of attracting his attention. So we've got an issue here, and like, I haven't read all this because it's so long, you know, I right. hate reading long entries. But it, it is this an any so playing it technically, it, you know, anytime you use a magic right. user uses an eighth level spell, there's supposed to be a DM roll of see if, if a Terathran appears, or, or or do you think it's got to be a Terathran sort of paying somewhere paying attention? Well, I think that's what the random encounter does is that you roll the random encounter. This is the way I would do it because basically they would pop up all over the place, which would be <laughs> right. <laughs> is you roll it, they come up, then um, you would have to say what level spell has been cast, or you'd have to note it. And uh, note the spells need not to have been cast by the same person. The requirements filled if the spells are all... So basically, if there's a big magic battle, you would have to figure out if it came. But that seems okay. like a lot of work. So in other words, because it's very rare, you could do a roll, right? I, know, I can't right. remember what the very rare percentage is, but you could do a roll... All right, so the point, you're right. This is like, this is, seems very similar to something Gary would create, like the earwig, like you said, don't listen at doors. Uh, kind of, this guy's kind of annoying. I mean, I guess he's, I don't know. I guess he's okay to use every Well, it's interesting once. because what, it's, what I find more interesting is what they're basically writing, and, and this is, I guess it's allowed, is that the uh, prime material plane is affected through magic, the, is affecting the ethereal plane, which I really yeah. didn't think about. Like it's, uh, you know, like some of these, uh, you know, that, like Dark Sun, which is a later, um, uh, a later adventure campaign setting where magic basically destroys the environment. Uh, here it's, it's affecting the ethereal plane and these are the guardians of that. So um, I think if your campaign had that capability, uh, or wanted that kind of flavor where you're bouncing between planes, which is typically what you do when you have characters who you know can mop up everyone on the prime material plane. That that would be interesting to do. So, well, let me. And it kind of, that's a really good point, though, because you're right. So what's happening is, you know, if this is considered to be canon, well, that has, means it has to be right. So that that means now that you do, you're right. That, that apparently by canon now that. Magic then, you know, swirls, eddies, and warps are, are, are resulting in the ethereal plane for the use of magic on the prime material plane. So, yeah, okay, that's now sort of canon. Okay. Uh, I learned something. Yeah, and so I would probably, if, if I were to run this and I did was doing random encounters and this did pop up, I would just keep track of it. And if the magic users started using magic, then it would appear. 
Yeah. Yeah. Listen, that would be quite surprising because I never heard of this thing. No. And so if I was using magic and all of a sudden this thing appears and is trying to what take me back to punish me. Yep. That's okay. Take you back to punish you. It's got special drain power. Treat has used all of his spells. So that's, I mean, that would just be annoying already if you, uh, or be teleported back to the ethereal plane. Awesome. Oh, yeah, so drain power. So you're in a big combat. You're like, I've got all these spells memorized. You start using them, and this guy shows up and just takes all your, drains all your spells. Right. And you're left with your 14 hit points at level 7. Okay. Yeah, and, and, and so, uh, you know, the, the chat is talking about, and I agree, I thought that uh, magic power came from the positive and negative planes based on this. Which, by the way, we're, t we're talking about the book that shall not be named in this episode that shall not be named, but we'll get there at some point. Um, yeah, and that's where the power came, came out. But it appears that these disturbances, exactly, that these disturbances uh, affect uh, the ethereal plane. And so, uh, okay, what page is Ordinary Bats on? Ordinary Bats are on page 15. I find Ordinary Bats more interesting than the Tarothan. Yeah. You'd have to make a camp. Uh, it's almost like a one-shot or a mini-adventure where you plan on using this and you know, your magic user gets taken to the ethereal plane and then... Uh, mm -hmm. Yes, I'm sorry, Monster Manual 2, page... 15 of that. So let's, let's, uh, let's get this combat going so we can move on to the next order of shenanigans. Oh, did you bring, uh, do you have your, have you ever been a gnome illusionist? First encounter, by the way? Oh, you don't have it? Let me I, see. I don't know. Yeah, just I go, don't know. look at it real Hang quick. Hang on. I'll check. I'll check. Stand by. Stand by. Turning and flipping, turning and flipping. Right, save the wizard. Yes, yeah, yes, I do. Awesome. Yeah, we need to do that. Yep. So we'll do that after this in spell selection. Yeah. Okay. So like, save the wizard. Uh, that's a great idea, Robert. You know, basically, your wizard gets captured and uh, you have to go save him, which of course is not fun for the magic user who gets to sit there <laughs> to be rescued. But it could be an NPC <laughs> wizard that you do that for. So there you go. We don't, and we don't want to know how he's being punished. Well. I assume he's being punished by listening to Grog Talk. That's my assumption. <laughs> <laughs> four, hours, four hours later. All right, so let's roll uh, distance. Uh, they, ooh, they're very close here in the dungeon. Um, so the Terrathan was looking for, I, I see it now. The, there was a great disturbance. A high level magic user just cast a gate spell uh, before, uh, gated in something. And now this Terrathan is. Uh, uh, Perturbed, right? That's a good word. Perturbed by the uh, the wizard's uh, insolence, and has appeared. But instead of finding the wizard, he finds a bat. Maybe it's a vampire. Uh, a vampire magic user. And well, aren't we talking about unearthed arcana? You can be that. Can't, oh, I'm sorry. The book that shall not be named. No, you can't. I can be. A, can I be a vampire? You you could. You could be turned into a vampire. Absolutely. Well, that's a class. I thought that's a class in, in the book that should not uh, be named, isn't you, it? you obviously haven't read it. No, it should be. I don't know why it's not. That is the, the vamp. Uh, 
<laughs> the book that shall not be named The Masquerade is basically what that is. Yeah, that's a, that's a good game. That came a couple of years later. So, uh, <laughs> all right. All right so, so they're very close. So it's initiative. Uh, you've been startled by this small bipedal creature that looks angry. Or have you been startled? You know, you show up because you're oh, angry looking right. for the magic user, and you you might be startled by the bat. So you got we're rolling surprise now, aren't we? That, we are we are rolling surprise. Absolutely, you are. Uh oh, I got a one, three. I'm surprised for one round. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. One segment. That's right. Ugh. Okay. All right. <laughs> you got to do something. So yes, he's going to do something. He's going to. I assume he's going to try to charge you. Uh, well, I'm going to say you're you were startled, but you're up in the. Uh, you're up on the roof, so I don't think he can. Let's see, can he do something? Ooh, stunning, well, stunning blast. That's what he's hang on. It says what happens when I'm startled. It says it, uh, you attack. If startled, bats tend to become frightened, and I'm frightened and confused. Now, I'm only one, so I don't know if you can really call it a swarm. Swarm <laughs> around and fly into things. So I am just like going crazy, right? right. I'm flying around. Exactly. You, you surprise me. And uh, just well, to let you know, if it is fine, Flying conditions. Which I gave you. I already gave you that. A beautiful day in the cave. It's a beautiful cave. You have perfect flying conditions. Right? So I'm an AC4. That's right. Actually, actually, go ahead. Actually, actually, you know I'm surprised? That picture is perfect. That is, that is me. That is you, a flying bat. That's exactly how I look. Uh, and I'm going to put your face on that bat next time. So that'll be, that'll be great. <laughs> that does look a little, it does look a little bit like me. It does. So I'm going to roll the... Uh, Using the Gary Khan dice, uh, I'm going to roll to hit. What are you doing? What, what attack are you doing? Uh, he's Well, you're coming at him, so you were surprised. He's going to claw you. Oh, you're going to try to grab me out of the air? Yeah. Wow, that's why okay. you're AC, That's why you're AC4. Go for it. Good luck with that. Okay, how about uh, 12, which you're AC4? I think I'm AC4. He's 5 plus 3 hit, 5 plus 1 hit dice. I feel like I probably hit. Yeah, you probably did. Which, which I'm hoping. I'm gonna roll my hit points. Okay. So I have one or two. Oh, you have one or two, excellent. I have, I have one. <laughs> this, hey, hey, so now we know that the first illusionist I ever played had the same amount of hit points as yeah. a bat. Uh, that's right, a bat, an ordinary bat, not even a giant An ordinary bat. bat. I was as frail as an ordinary bat. So unfortunately for you, uh, he does hit with a 12, that's oh, what he needed. Ooh. And he did uh, three hit points of damage. So that's the end of the bat. So we have a new leader, which unfortunately is this Terathran. So congratulations to the Terathran. Hopefully we'll roll up a character next time, like an 18th level magic user. That would, oh yeah. yes, thank you, uh, Mephit. Remind us, divine intervention, god of the bats. Thank you. Is there a deity for what would that be? I, I want to know. Let's, let's ask our, our folks. Our ideas. If, well, you're not gonna get it. Wait, Orcus, does Orcus have bat wings? Uh, yeah, it has to be some kind of abyssal thing now that you mention it. And I think Orcus may have bat-like wings. Yeah, that would be. All right, I'm going to roll though, all right? Yeah. So, what is it? It's only 10%. Yeah. Okay. Let's see what you get. There's a lot of them that have bats. I was getting excited because I saw a lot of zeros, but it's a 70. Oh, uh, 70. Yes, Orcus does have bat-like wings. Okay. Or, or the, uh, uh, Carlos says, uh, Kamatsas, who's Central American mythos. Oh, we should look that oh. up. Which we're hoping, speaking of uh, 
de uh, deities and demigods. We are hoping that next week, uh, we did talk to Jim Ward a few weeks ago about coming on next week. That's obviously pre, pre oh, I hit the camera. I did, I did a Dan. Um, oh, you're good. Everything's fine. fine. Yeah, yeah, on your camera. On my, the other camera, uh, I totally biffed it. Um, that we talked to him a few weeks ago, and he was eager to come on. I needed to call him again to make sure he's doing okay. So let me look up. Was this one? So, so, so you're one. looking up what, what didn't come. That's right. Sadly. That's sadly. Oh, okay. Kamatsas. Very good, Carlos. Excellent. He is the bat god. Oh, well, that would have been, okay, well, hold on. Now, that's interesting. Yeah, page 33 of the uh, Deities and Demigods, which, again, hopefully angled high. Oh, now it is, yeah, because I bashed my head. Thank yeah, you. I forgot that I'm seeing you on the Skype view. 33. There you go. There we go. That god. Oh, yeah, he definitely would have come. Thank you. Top shelf Thank cam. You. Exactly. See, I like some of you. What is your thought on using deities from pantheons, even if you're not using the pantheon. Because I love, as you know, the Lankmar, the, we got the rat god. Now we have a bat god who appears as a huge bat and always found with a thousand normal bats flying around him. I mean, that's good stuff. Would you use Kamazots, uh, irrespective of the milieu you were using? Yes. If, if I would say... For, for two ways. One, you could just reskin the god, no, no pun intended, or pun fully intended, and you can just call him Bob the Bat God or whatever you want and right. take the attributes and move it there. Or you literally have, you know, the cosmopolitan uh, campaign. You know, it's not set in Greyhawk specifically, though Greyhawk, because again, the idea is all these deities are powerful irrespective of where, because the Prime material plane is all, you know, known worlds or all worlds, and you know, just like in Greyhawk, as we've learned that there are local Greyhawk deities, um, they don't diminish the deities of other places because you know the idea is that the followers. So as long as there are followers of that deity in in the campaign setting, that could happen. I think it gets a little weird if your campaign uh, doesn't have a cosmopolitan feel to it. You know, like the a city-state of the Invincible Overlord, or something where it's we accept all kind of things, or you get almost like the uh, the open market where each shrine is to a bunch of deities. So, because you know, if it's a trade city where everyone's just coming together and doing that, I think that would be fine. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and that, that's a great uh, that's a great uh, call there by Carlos. So, yeah, I'm a fan. Right, and and you know. Basically, what uh, folks are saying on there, yeah, you know, they could be known differently. Like we talked about, the names that people know them of—that's not their true name. Their true name is something like demons have their real names, and you can only you can only gate them in if you know their true name. So, you know, they could be called Bob in one world and Joe in another. So it's kind of like the reskinning I was talking about. There, you could, they could be Zeus. Well, like the Greek and Roman deities, right? Zeus and Jupiter are the same. The same deity. They're just called are, different things. Are demons, yeah, are demons the ones where if you say their name, they may actually come? Yes. As opposed to devils, the demons may actually come, or is it devils? Uh, I, can't I think remember. devils, I think Asmodeus, I think we talked about Asmodeus, remember, because we wanted him to show up at the, uh, at the, what is it called? Where were we staying at? At one of the inns, and we were like, oh, Asmodeus came by. <laughs> I, I'm getting as bad <laughs> as probably, you. We're, we're probably, I'm sure we're in what, uh, Su Sudenham? Yeah, Sudenham, that's right. Sudenham. 
Yeah. Probably. I think, yeah, one of them, if you say their name. Well, if you say their true name, not, not uh, just. Yeah, it's okay. not just, it's not like, uh, uh, what the heck's that thing called? You know, where, you, where you're just screaming and, and saying uh, Beetlejuice, 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 Beetlejuice right. 50 times. Right. And then, then you get a plague. So, um, all right. Well, we have the Terra Thrain for the next time. Divine Intervention did not work, unfortunately. So I think we're ready for spell selection. All right, let's do it. Oh, people are making requests for Asmodeus to come to their birthday parties. I like that. <laughs> Perhaps we, we're, some folks are confused on how that would go. I don't think that would go great. And we're in the abyss, come on. That's right, we're in the abyss. If he showed up here and... Um, there are additions after the book that shall not be named that talk about these fights between the devils and demons. We won't get into all that. That's, that's way beyond the scope of this show. We don't know so, anything about that. So I'm rolling percentile because we're using the scroll percentage, right? Uh, yes, that's correct. Okay, I'm going to roll some percentile. I know you know these. You've got them memorized, actually. Ooh, a one. Is that one. something good? Uh, no, that's... Oh, magic that, user. That's magic user. <laughs> if I, what do I need for an illusionist now? Uh, over 90 or above. Jeez. No, I'm sorry. Ten, roll that again, you get illusionist. Okay, so, ten, so one to 10. Yeah, that's right. 86, magic user. Yeah. I shouldn't be. Why am I? Do, that's not nice of me. I should be, I should be excited. Magic user. Awesome. All right. We have nine levels. You want me to roll a... Uh, I'm going to go ahead and roll. I see you're on the, the chat there, so I'm going to go ahead and roll. It's third level. Okay. Do you know, do you, James, do you know how many spells are on third level? Ooh. Uh, magic user? Correct. 24? Very good. Very impressive. As a matter of fact, well, I don't want to get into there. Second through six are all 24. Right. Oh, yeah, and I want to complain about the lack of cantrips in the book that shall not be named for illusion. It's not the lack. But how few there are compared to. You can't start. You can't start that now. That's. that's Apologies. That isn't there rules of court rules or rules of law. You can't start the prosecution without the defense being present. Yeah. I'm out, yes, I'm out of order. That's right. Okay. Uh, you're. I mean, you're kind of the judge and the prosecution. This is a very fair trial because you're the only one who knows the rules of order uh, when it comes to <laughs> court cases. So to, to D and D court cases. Yes. Well, it's our court. <laughs> it's the grog court. Exactly. Which, we do whatever we want. And no offense, offense to our friends in, in Australia. It's, it's, it will make a kangaroo court look like it's uh, completely legitimate. So, uh, To be sure. All right, I've got a 19. Okay. Protection from... This is not a bad one to talk about. Protection from evil, 10-foot radius. Ah, very good. Protection from evil, 10-foot radius. And what I'm going to want to ask about is whether or not this is exactly the same as the protection a paladin gets. It is. Is exactly the same. So the uh, paladin works. Wait now, now you said pretty much. Well, I, 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 the difference is a the one is permanent unless they change to be a paladin. This one is not. This one has an era, a time, you know, a duration. So that, you mean you mean you mean if they be, they become you mean so if they violate their alignment they become a cavalier. Right. That's ridiculous. You see what I did there, didn't That's you? Right. Cavalier. What's that? They become a cavalier, right? Yes. Instead of. Becoming a fighter. Well, I, is this I, a penalty? Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, as long as they're 
alignment that they end up with. I, no, that's right. Only bar, um, only barbarians have to be chaotic. I can't remember. It's it's so much foreign information. It's it is. I didn't spend. I I just I flipped through it quickly. All right. So uh, protection from the, evil. Ten foot. Oh, they're sending us to cleric. Yeah, but yes, it's the same spell. It's the same effect. Okay. Which is why people, why paladins are very powerful because they have basically a third level spell on them at all times. Okay, so let me look quickly at the differences. Um, oh, the duration. Oh, I was on normal missiles. Uh, two rounds per level versus. Okay, so it's a lesser duration for magic user. It's third level, number one, as opposed to first level for clerics. And it's only two rounds per level instead of three rounds per level. Um, oh, look, the area of effect. Area of effect says creature touched. Oh. Right. Oh, wait a second. Hold on. First of all, oh, the cleric spell is protection from evil. The magic user spell is protection from evil. Ten foot radius. Ah, right. The same expect, except with respect to its area of effect. Right. Don't hurt yourself. I am hurting myself. Wh so. Which, by the way, there is a fourth level, which doesn't make sense. A fourth level cleric spell protection from evil ten foot radius. Though you only have to be third level protection from evil as a magic user. That doesn't make any sense. Well, there you go. It's confusing. And it's interesting, the magic user spell, it can be cast quicker, three segments versus four segments. Okay. Well, look at the fourth level cleric spell, because I, okay. I would do like for like if you're going to do that. But what's interesting is, yeah, I know, but it says in the magic user one, this spell is the same as a first level protection from evil spell. Right. Well, so it refers you to the cleric spell of first level. Yeah, but they should refer you to this because on page 40, first of all, protection from evil 10-foot radius, page 75, player's handbook for the magic user, page 49, 10-foot radius for the cleric, and protection from evil is flipping. Uh, oh, yeah, and then the protection from 44. evil for the cleric on fourth level on page 49 says, yeah, it's the same as the first level spell. Right. Except for the area. So the just real quick, the cleric is one turn per level versus I'm talking about protection from evil, ten foot radius, is one one turn per level. The magic user two rounds per level, so it doesn't last as long. Takes four segments longer. Um, it has the assuming it has the same. Um, and what's interesting, to complete this spell, the cleric must trace a circle 20 foot in diameter. Has anyone ever done that? Has any, have any DMs ever said, yes, you're casting the spell, you're now tr in the middle of combat tracing out a, a circle 20 foot in diameter using holy water or blood incense or smoldering dung. Smoldering dung. Yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah, this is disgusting. To complete the spell, the cleric must trace a three foot Diameter circle well, upon the floor. That's in first level one. Go to the fourth level uh, cleric. But go yeah, on. but this is what. Yeah, but this is what I have to do for the. But the magic user spell says it's the same as a first level cleric. So if I'm the magic user, I have to do what I have to do for the first level cleric spell, right? Well, that doesn't. I, I hear what you're saying, but that doesn't make any sense. Because why not? Because. In what, if you look at the the intent of the the protection on protection from evil, where you're creating a three foot diameter, that's to protect yourself. Right. The ten foot one, if you go to the fourth right. level, you're doing a twenty right. foot 
diameter, which makes more sense because you're protecting you're right. 10 feet. So I, right. I, would, I, wouldn't, I would say the effects of protection from evil as far as minus two to hit, uh, plus two to creature saving throws, that's the same regardless of the spell. The way you conjure it would be more in line with the fourth level spell. But that makes sense. I agree. You've convinced me, but yeah, but it bothers me. Yeah, exactly. Why they tell you to go to that spell? They should have told you to go to the fourth level spell, and then the fourth level spell tell you to go to the first level spell. I totally agree. Can I ask you totally something? Agree. Can I ask you about the first level one about the dung? Yes, dung. Smoldering. I mean, if, if, right? Yeah, smoldering. Right. So it says, or in the air, using burning incense or smoldering. So the fact that it's smoldering, it's like the. The, the smoldering part of it? Is it like the whatever rises? I don't know, smoke? I don't yeah, know, dung yeah, could smoke. Yeah, if, yeah, if you're burning dung, that's that's pretty... Uh... So you're waving, so I burn, I have dung in my hand. Don't burn myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do I get the dung to be... So I need dung. Yeah. Now i got to get it smoldering, so I've got to have a torch or something. Right. You've never seen I, smoldering dung before? Well, they, we, we all, I saw them in Toledo. <laughs> right. In 82. They were huge in Toledo. How does one, what is, happens when dung smolders? Well, it's, it's like incense. It has, you know, a trail of smoking you, wisp of dung. <laughs> you sound like you know this very well. I've seen it before. Sm- what? Dung. Yes. You know, when I'm, you wh- seem... when I'm praying to Jubilix, you need smoldering <laughs> dung. It's really not that. Uh... It is the satanic panic. That's right. Exactly. Hey, mom. <laughs> After church, can we play D and D? Can I get some dung from the back? You know, yeah. Right. Well, I've got cat boxes. So right. So that's right. what you should so be I... doing. Go get some cat dung and set it on fire. I think that would be great. Right. You you really just need the incense here. So you could use the you get it, you, so you're carrying along dung. So you're the dude who's smelling. Or blood you could use if you don't want dung. If you right. if you smell smoldering dung, that's generally a bad sign. Right, and people burn dung as fuel in other countries. Oh, 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 I see. It's the good versus evil. Yes. Oh, so it's, so it's the holy water for protection from evil, blood for protection from good, or you alternatively, the air, you can use incense for good, smoldering. Oh, so for protection from evil, which is what most characters are going to be doing, you've got to use... In, right, so use holy water. Oh, and then burning incense. Right, right. But so the smoldering. So if you're the evil cleric, and you want protection from good, right, you're, you're carrying along. So, so the evil cleric is is walking around with blood and dung. Yes. Right. Okay. And then you burn. That was, All a, right. that was a great book, Blood and Dung, or that song, Blood and Dung, from Blood and Dung, from the burning. <laughs> that was their first album. That was their first album, <laughs> Blood and Dung, and now <laughs> smoldering dung. <laughs> this one's and off right. our new album, Blood and Dung. Yeah, that's, that's exactly. That sounds good. Um, okay, well, this has been uh, all right. So, what happens now? So, we we've just so so I'm oh, but I'm tracing the circles. What you're saying, you're saying, forget about that business. Well, in this now, case, it, in the th- in the ten foot radius, if you go to the fourth level. Spell right. cleric. It says, to complete the spell, a oh, cleric must trace a cleric twenty, a circle twenty foot in diameter using holy water, blood, incense, or smoldering dung, as according to protection from evil spell. Right. Which again lends itself that the fourth, third level magic user would have to do the same thing. I agree with that. Okay. 
So, all right, so carry along. But no one's so ever that's... done that. That's my point. No, I've never heard well, someone shame, say. Shame. Go ahead. Shame on the shame on the dungeon master, right? Well, shame on the players too for not mentioning that they're frolicking around in the combat with their incense, trying to trace a circle around them. Which is why the paladin oh. thing is so powerful because they don't. Have okay, to well, that. let me ask you. Okay, this is interesting. The casting time usually we know cast, casting time includes getting components. Right. But I'm going to assume that drawing the circle. Or, or, or doing it in the air, however you do it, is, is it fair to say you would not include that in casting time? No, the casting time includes that, typically. Was it, let's oh, look. so you'd include making the, well, I thought casting is sort of like, you know, so you, you would construe that as what, a, a verbal and somatic? Oh, no, it's not verbal, it's a somatic. Right. Cast well, and it's material. Right. The casting time on page 43 says, shows the number of melee rounds or segments of a melee round required to cast the spell. Part of, this, part of casting the spell is to do that, that uh, somatic component, which is to, uh, using the material to trace it around. So in eight, yeah, but three segments is, is 18 seconds, right? Three segments is 18, segment, 18 seconds, that's right. So what you're telling me is in 18 seconds, I'm able to trace a circle... 20 foot in diameter. Right. How long? And, eight, and, and then stand, I guess, in the middle of it or something. And we know that there are, there are verbal components, so I'm going to then start doing it all in 18 seconds. That, that, that's, that's speedy. Well, and what's interesting, too, is because you have to move. Typically, you're not allowed yes. to move. Uh, oh, and what if, you're, what if your circle's shaky? So in other words, if, yeah, if you're in combat, you really want to cast this sooner because if you're in combat. Right. I mean, people are going to be like, excuse me, coming through. That's my point. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm going to, uh, so I have to remember next time someone wants to throw up, oh, I'm going to cast protection from evil 10 foot radius in combat. Uh, and you're, in, you're fighting? I don't think so. Right. This is where being a paladin is better. It's just, oh, it's just awesome. That's right. right. You got to be in the okay. back or you got, I mean, that's what the people are saying on chat is it's, this is what makes the game interesting when, you know, we just assumed Deo gracias, bloop, 10 foot radius. No, you've got to. Right. Now, since we, we know that our friends love math, how long will it take to, what is the distance someone has to travel around a 20 foot diameter circle? That's what I want to know. And keep in point, the, the casting time includes built into that, you're supposed to be able to get out your components. So you're getting out your component, right? And, and keep in mind, I believe that's only if your components are readily accessible, like in your robe, in like you got these little folds and pockets. Yeah. I mean, if you're talking about holy, if you've got holy water, I think Gary says this somewhere. If you've got something in your backpack, that's a little bit harder to get out. Right. So if you've got your holy water in your back or your incense, your incense, you actually have to light, right? So if you've got your 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 tinder box, you've got to get that out, light your incense, or get your holy water out of your backpack, then trace it, then I assume stand in the middle of this thing and engage in your somatic. And I'm just I'm 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 skeptical of the three segment casting. Well now time. we have well now we this is why we have our great DMs on here. Someone threw a monkey wrench, David Thompson threw a monkey wrench. You, we need to go to the first level protection from evil magic user, which says the material components is powdered iron or, and silver. Oh. So you don't use the dung if you're a magic user, which kind of makes sense because you're not a uh, you're not a cleric. Oh. 
Oh, well, yeah, because you know what? And that's on page. So I, I screwed up. It says this spell is the same as the first level protection for evil spell. I just went to cleric. I assumed cleric. Well, this I didn't realize it's it, a magic. It user. does say that. It does say that on page seventy-five. See also first. No, see also. This spell is the same as a first level protection oh, for evil. That's right. You're right. Yes. Sir. See also. Ah, the see also. The old see also. You're right. Oh my gosh. Okay, hold on. Reading is fun. <laughs> so now so, we're yeah, on page so we, we were in the we were in the wrong thing. Right. We're on page sixty-seven now. There it is. And you know what it's going to do? It's going to refer us to the cleric, right? Yes. With the differences shown above and the requirement of, oh, the requirement of powdered iron and silver as the material components for tracing the magic circle for protection from evil. The spell is the same. Wait, does this mean that I don't get to use the dung if I'm evil? Wait. Yeah, you can't use dung. You have, to use, you have to use this component. I didn't know if it was just for drawing the circle as opposed to doing it in the air. Because you can do – wasn't there a song with circle in the sky? That's right. I can do a Spirit circle. Spirit in the sky too. I can do a circle. So I can't do the circle. I can't do the aerial circle, you don't think, as the magic user? So i got to use iron, powdered iron and silver. So silver is if you're trying to – okay, hold on a second. So, so iron is if you're trying to keep away evil. Right? Right. And silver, silver is if you're trying, I would have thought it would be the opposite. Silver if you're trying to keep away good. Yeah, silver, uh, I don't know. Well, usually in the first one, the cleric spell. Well, iron starts with. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, it says evil slash good. Right. So it starts with blood, right? It starts with holy water and then blood. So it does evil slash good. So evil, protection from evil would be first. So that would mean that you'd be using iron. Could you imagine if you weren't sure? Which one is it? You, you screwed up. You used the wrong one. Well, this says powdered iron and silver. It doesn't, even though it's reversible, it does not say you use one for the other and the other. It sounds like and. It's, it's, a, oh. it's, 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 it's right? It's conjunctive. It's, con, you know, pow, iron, powdered iron and silver together as the material component. Oh, for tracing the magic circle for protection from evil. Right, on page 67. Oh, so oh, so you use iron and silver. That would make more sense because silver is usually keeping away baddies. Yep. Usually, right? I mean, silver weapons hit stuff. So, so you think iron and silver is the material component. Regardless if it's reversible or not. And for, oh, for magic. Oh, so users. you think, oh, wow. You know, so you think if you reverse it. See, this is very confusing. So what's being taught in the magic user? Like if we look at Saul's notes mm -hmm. from his magic user class. Because right. you know they have to have this, right? Because you've got people of all alignments and you're teaching, today we're teaching first level magic user spells, right. which is exactly what you would be taught in magic user school, right? Because right? you're, you're, all you got is these cantrips, whatever. They would have to talk about, now listen, you have to be aware that your material components might differ and someone raises their hands. Yeah, I have a question. Um, I was reading the textbook, mm -hmm. and professor, you're the professor. I'm okay. Saul. I'm a young Saul. Get out of my class. Yeah, right? right? <laughs> put, on, put on some pants. <laughs> put on some pants and get out of my class. So Saul, professor, uh, Saul was that dude. Professor, Sorry. I have a question. What, what does the text tell you, student? That's the thing. That's right. 
You're the professor. I had a question. This is, ab- says, this is abjuration 101, right? This is the first level. Uh, this is abjuration 101, right. exactly. Yep. Professor, I have a question. If I'm evil alignment, which of course I'm not, but I was just curious anyway, and everyone's like grumbling. If I was of evil alignment, what material components would I use for protection? If I was trying to cast a protection from good spell, or, you know, you can reverse it, right? Professor, isn't it true that if you are a good alignment, you can also cast perfection from good because you may have annoyed somebody who is good and they're coming after you. So if I want to cast protection from good because reversal, what are the spell components? Because I need to know yes. for the test. Is this going to be on the test? Yes. What? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's on the test. Which, yeah, if you're, you're well, it'd be scenario-based. You're standing there a... Um, you're a first. You're a prestidigitator, right? That's first level uh, magic user, correct? Prestig- well, I, well, I, 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 right. I'm an apprentice now. Oh, well, I'm in school. I'm learning. I hope to be. Yeah, but the question is, you know, you're pre- you're pretending your future thing that you're a prestig. Yes. The scenario yes. is, you're a young prestidigitator. A yes. uh, a solar stands in front of you. What what do you, what what spell component do you need for protection from evil? Right, and then it we would say do... dung, right? Holy water, uh, incense, or silver and iron. Right, and this would be good. Yeah, we should write up a, an exam, like a magic user exam. So yeah, I don't know. That's very confusing to me. Um, I don't know what to make of that. Well, you know what we need to do? We're forgetting. There's a lot of information. Well, that's an exaggeration. There's some information. Well, that's on true. Spells. Yes, we need to go on here. In the DMG. I'm going to just let you know uh, this. Some folks are not finding this very compelling. This back and forth on protection from evil. I'm just, mm. just letting you know that. I know you don't care, but are they first time listeners? <laughs> <laughs> they don't care. Okay. Hey, buddy, we're the only show in town. You'll you'll listen and you'll enjoy. You got nothing else but us at this point. We got all the power. So there is something to said on clerical page 41 of the Dungeon Master's Guide. Okay. It says, note that this excludes, keeps out monsters using natural body weapon attacks, which require touching the protected character. So I understand your concern about the mechanics of launching this spell or, or casting it, but really right. this spell is very powerful because not of its minus two and plus two, which again is what usually people cast it for. It's for all these other things that it does. If you read the original first level, um, I'm looking at the fourth level and just to see if there's any difference. Nope, it doesn't say any, oh, protection for evil. Um, So there's two uh, uh, entries for protection from evil. Uh, one cleric, one magic user. Under the magic user one says on page 45, this spell prevents attacks which employ parts of the body of affected creatures, which is basically what it said on the other one. Why did they have to say it twice? I don't know. Why didn't they just say see the first entry? Come on, Gary. Come on. So, so what's, the, what's, what's the improvement on, this, on the 10 foot as opposed to, so we have both cleric and magic user. And what is the, uh, so the 10 foot is going to be well, your whole party gets the minus two plus two, and more importantly, the reason you would keep that spell, because this is going back to protection for evil on page forty-four. This is the, it prevents bodily contact from creatures of an enchanted or conjured nature. 
Demons. Okay, so this is important because this is often a matter of contention, isn't it? So protection from evil is not simply any – so you run into an evil bandit. Right. This is not protecting you from the evil – right, from the evil bandit, correct? It does. Anything it does. that's evil – Oh, okay. Because it says after that, furthermore, any and all attacks launched by evil creatures incur a penalty of minus two to hit, and any saving throws caused by such attacks are at plus two. Okay, so that's the – so – you get you avoid bodily contact completely, so it's really awesome against enchanted or conjured uh, creatures. And I guess that's where the debate comes in: is is what's enchanted? I mean, conjured, I guess, is is a little bit easier. Right. Uh, oh, but then it says summoned animals or monsters are similarly hedged. So actually, summoned meaning right. somebody. Yeah, if you do summon monsters or conjuring monsters, conjuring woodland animals, you could potentially say if they were evil. If they're not evil, which most monsters are. Most uh, animals are not evil or good. They'd be neutral. But if they were evil, you could protect yourself. But, but it does, if it says conjured, that would include, notice how it has elementals. They're neutral. Oh. Invisible stalkers are neutral. And when I mean elementals, the normal elementals, I'm sure there's other elementals that are evil. So summon animals are similarly hedged. So if you summoned your uh, woodland beings... Doesn't matter. Oh, so really what it is, it's protection from enchanted, conjured, summoned, or evil. Now, I understand the evil is just the plus two, minus two. There's differences, but so that's what it is. So what you're saying is it's any enchanted or conjured or summoned is complete protection, like a bubble. Right. You're in a bubble. Well, you're, you're protected from physical touching. They cannot touch you. Oh, but they can cast spells at you. Correct. If they can cast um, fireball, they can still do that. I got you. So it's just like a bubble for like a physical attack. Okay. Right. And that's for any 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 alignment. That's the way you, correct. you pointed that out. Yeah. Any okay. alignment for those type of things. And if they're evil, you get the minus two plus two. That's why the paladin is ridiculous. So let me ask you, how does this so how do you uh, – oh, and I know that Edward, right, who's, who's a very good player, he would corner monsters, right? You can corner them, he'd kind of – and then they, they're kind of trapped, right? If you, can, if you corner them, then you just kill them with uh, – right? You just, if if they're just, trapped, as long as, you don't, as long as you don't break the plane, typically what people say is if the protection lasts as long as you don't go into the space of them. Oh, boy. Yes. Yeah, okay, so, so like the turning issue, do you like, like right. breaking the turn? Oh, I'm sure there's a huge dragon's foot debates on this. Exactly. So you could, you could push them into the corner, but if you break the, you know, if you move within eight feet of them and you willingly push your way in, then they can get to you, in theory. It bursts, the bubble bursts. That's right, you've violated, you've broken the seal. But, but you could have other people do range weapons. That's right. You in theory, that's right. You, as long as, you, if you're standing in the center and you're just throwing missiles at them, you just, you can just shoot them. And what, um, because or else the, the, the spell wouldn't work normally. I mean, that's how the paladin works. Right. And, and how would, so when would you use this thing? So is this kind of like a bless or a chant where it works best before going into, yes. I guess? Right. Okay. Yeah, because you want everyone to have the protection from the outset. Well, and especially the cleric one, because it lasts much longer. Yeah, and even the magic user one's not too bad. Two well, rounds per level two is pretty good. Two rounds per level, if you're third level, that's 10 rounds. That's a turn. You know, you're not going to be just, it's not a shield that you're going to kind of keep 
turn on as you're exploring the dungeon because it's it's only good for a turn. It's good for combat. You know you're going to fight the big right. boss. We're going to go in there. Let's cast Bless. Let's cast uh, Protection from Evil. Uh, let's get all those going, and then let's charge in there. Haste. And how many, how, how many people can you get in a 10-foot radius? Well, that's a good question. How big are they? Mm. See, that's why gnomes are useful. Gnomes are not useful. There's plenty well, of small creatures that are actually smaller than them. So, so let's, say, let's say, okay, humans. How many humans? Well, in a 10-foot, it's typically three across in a 10-foot corridor for fighting purposes. So I usually say between five and seven. Right. If you do, if you do it by, if you do it by the grid, you can either get five or, or nine, depending on how gracious you are. Yeah, because a radius is obviously not a diameter. Right. <laughs> a radius means that I got actually a twenty foot diameter. Is that right? I'm trying to remember back from Ra geometry. Yeah. So tw it's ten foot radius. It's twenty foot diameter. So you, and, and of course you could get you know between four four each way. So you could get the whole party in there if they stay together. And yeah, because you're moving. I mean, obviously, in melee, things are happening. Right. If the bats swarm. Right. If you, if you run away, and that's the thing with the paladin. Everyone's trying to hug the paladin as they're playing. Oh, I was next to the paladin. Wait a minute. I thought you were shooting a bow. Oh, no, I was next to him because they all I want said the that. bonuses. I said that. I told you that. You weren't listening. So, what is the, so how does it differ with the paladin other than the fact that it is, um, and I th other than the fact that it's permanent, is there anything else? It's 10-foot radius, no, right? that's about it. That's, I don't think it has any other differences. When do you get it? Immediately. What? The continuing emanation of protection from evil in a 10-foot radius around the paladin. Page 22, superpower number six. <laughs> uh, what do they call this, a prestige class? I, I don't know. I guess so. Yeah. The continuing, yeah, they, yeah, okay, page 22, the continuing emanation of protection from evil. That's right. Enter, yeah. uh, someone just said social distancing. It's the ultimate social distancing. Stay, stay 10 feet away, you evil demon. Exactly. Yeah. I need protection from, we all need protection from evil now. Okay. Protection from bats. Right. They're not evil, and they're not summoned, and they're not conscious. Well, not, not, not the bats, not the normal bats, but the Mobat is evil. Right. Neutral with evil tendencies. Okay. Why, why is there not a protection from neutral? I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> I'm sure there's a history to it. Uh, why it, it should be protection from alignment or protection from opposite alignment. But again, there's yeah, no opposite of neutral. Well, yeah, protection from chaotic neutral. You know, chaotic neutral, they're dangerous. Right. Well, they, uh -huh. they, they want to restore balance and all this other craziness. So, all right. Let me see. Hold on. Okay, cool. Very good. So uh, we did protection from evil. Let's, uh, do you want to do the first encounter since we have people on? Sure, let's do it. Right. And what people are mentioning is, uh, you know, if you have summoned creatures, if they're neutral, and so that's a very powerful spell. Is that the rock? Exactly. Uh, if, if that's the, you know, when you cast, for instance, the magic user wants to cast summon earth elemental. You're supposed to create a magic circle, or you can cast uh, protection from evil. When it's just a matter of when, when the when the earth elemental loses its mind, and wants to attack you, you better have that protection from evil on or good, because he'll wail on you, and that'll be the end of the magic user. So okay. we're now going to do. Uh, have you ever been a gnome illusionist? Correct. We are. What did we? I'm trying to remember. Oh, I think that we've done this. 
Maybe you should put like a bookmarker. Right. Um, we, so we might be here that uh, you finished with the giant badger and started on your task once again. Luckily, most of these are soon eliminated from choice. Okay, I think we're, I think we're, oh yeah, no, we haven't seen a bugbear. Have we seen no, a bugbear? No, we haven't oh, seen a bugbear. Oh, no. No, no, we haven't. Okay, I think we're right, I think we are right here. Yeah, we saw a giant badger, didn't we? Yes. Okay. Well, we saw one and, and some, some tried to avoid it. Some just straight out killed it or whatever. Well, and I, of course, talked to it. Right, and you got attacked. That's true. Okay, you finish with the giant badger. Oh, and just for people who have never listened to the show or watched the show before, this is from First Encounter Magazine, a magazine out of Canada in the early 1980s. It's sort of a choose-your-own-adventure, but it's designed to test your skills as, uh, as a player playing a gnome fighter illusionist. And James has done very well. I don't think you've lost a single hit point Correct. yet, have you? Correct. Oh, and this was done by our good friend, uh, Kelly Villamere. Oh, we need to roll. I, put, I, just, I just put that down. After this, we got to roll. Got it. So um, you finish with a giant badger and start on your task once again, traveling down the dirt-walled corridor, which turns this way and that, with many side passages. Luckily, most of these are soon eliminated from choices, as Garth had already searched these and had found the quickest way to where the golem should be. As you turn down a side passage, you are startled to see a bugbear standing at the entrance of a chamber with his back toward you. Inside the chamber is another bugbear sharpening his axe on a stone. You also see a door on the other side of this chamber through which you must go. You decide to. All right, everyone, are you listening? We got right. 10 choices ten here. 10 choices. Number one, cast color spray, which should blind them both, then attack them with your sword. So color spray is number one. Number two, change self into a bugbear, then attempt to walk past them with sword within reach and pointing in the direction you came from, although keeping mute. Three, cast invisibility on self, then walk past them as quietly as possible with sword ready just in case. Four, use staff of fear on the one near the entrance and attack the other with your mace. Five, attack immediately with sword, knowing these creatures are ooth and clumsy. Six, read paralyzation scroll at them. If it fails, attack with sword. Seven, read dispel illusion scroll or cast spell at this obvious illusion. If it fails, attack with sword. Eight, cast blur spell on self, then attack immediately with your sword. Nine, cast improved phantasmal force spell, creating an illusion of the walls and ceiling, falling in on the bugbears to kill them. Ooh, that sounds like a lot of fun. Ten, use ring of lightning on one near entrance and attack the other with mace. So one color spray, two change self into bugbear, three invisibility, four staff of fear, Five, attack immediately with sword. Six, paralyzation scroll. Seven, dispel illusion. Eight, blur. Nine, improved phantasmal force. Ten, ring of lightning. Now, the ring, we've, we haven't said the ring has any permanent. Uh, by the way, uh, Jordan, the uh, production hobgoblin is on with us. So for those who can't see him, they, he's oh. off camera. So say hi. Hey. Hey. So we've got Hello. a bunch of folks out there. Um, well, I'm going to use the Ring of Lightning, obviously. That's number 10. Sounds amazing. 
Have you used that before or now? No, I use the scroll of paralyzation. So okay. I, that's why I can't do six. I'm going to use, I really like the, uh, I love Phantasmal 4. I'm going to do the improved, I may be wasting it, but I'm going to use nine, the improved Phantasmal 4. So I was very close to Color Spray. Color Spray's, Color Spray's really awesome against low-level creatures, right? Yes, but... Well, I, I'm you're the no you're the gnome lover gnome illusion. I, I shouldn't be asking you questions. Correct. You're right. I'm like trying to get. I'm cheating. I'm, I'm turning over to you and asking questions. You're like, shh, taking the test. That's right. We're gonna get in trouble. Can you hear this? No. Okay. Hey, uh, okay. go ahead. So I'm doing. I'm gonna do nine. I'm doing. Fantastic. I'm doing ten. All right, folks, put your choices down. We have Shannon chose three. Brian went with six. Bucky went with three. Method seven. Shannon three. Okay. Are they all in, do you think? Uh, I, don't, I don't know if David's picked yet. Chamberlain? Oh, Phantasmal Force, whichever one that is. Then Phantasmal Force is number nine. That's what I'm doing, improved Phantasmal Force, okay. number nine. All right, so read out the number. What's our first number? Uh, first one I see is a three. Okay, the invisibility. I'm trying to walk past, ready just in case. No problem. All right, good job. He's through. He's through. Who did three? You're good. Who was that? Uh, Bucky and Shannon. Impressive. Okay. What's our next number? Oh, jeez. You're going to do it this oh, way? Oh, sorry. Just go through um, all of them. One through ten. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Because I don't so know number, who did one. Number one was color spray. This works better than you thought. I thought it worked great. It puts them unconscious. Oh. That's, That's good. That is. Number two, the change self into a bugbear. I had a bad feeling about that because they may not know there's another bugbear, right? right? Exactly. Uh, they run over to see what you're running from. Great move. Ah. Oh, you were lucky if you, right? Because you didn't know if there's another bugbear. So the three was the invisibility. That worked perfectly. Four is a staff of fear. Staff works on near entrance. Um, other attacks take two hit points of damage. Staff works on, oh, on the one near the entrance, the other attacks, you would have taken two hit points of damage. So if you okay. picked Staff of Fear, that wasn't that was okay, but not great. Um, attack immediately with sword, you would kill them, but you take four hit points of damage. That was number five. Number six, the paralyzation scroll works on one, but you take three hit points of damage from melee with the other one. Seven was a dispel illusion scroll. This is no illusion. Takes six hit points of damage from the melee. Number eight is the blur. Kill them, but take only three hit points of damage because blur helps. Nine, now this is the nine, this is what I did. The cast advanced, uh, improved in Phantasmal. Kill one in the chamber who dies. However, the other one sees you. You pull out the sword. Oh, I've taken two more hit points of damage. And number 10, so two hit points of damage, uh, James from the Phantasmal. And 10, which was the Ring of Lightning. Uh, kill the first one. Oh, James has taken damage. Uh-oh. Yep, you killed the first one. The other one gives you three hit points of damage in melee. Oh, that's terrible. So, now, you know, the one thing I think that uh, Kelly, I think Kelly, he's too nice. Kelly has a soft heart, and that's why we like him. Right. But, you know, there really should have been some in here where just, no, you're killed. Right, you're dead instantly. Instant, right? No, but okay, so there it is. So that is another installment, and just to let you, uh, uh, have you ever played a Gnome Illusionist? And just to let you know, we have one, two, oh, never mind, we've gone a long way, three, four, five, six, seven, yeah, we got a lot more installments of that, so there it is. So perfect for the, for the, uh, uh, the Abyss, I mean, perfect for the travel through the Abyss, Seasons in the Abyss, that's the name of this uh, series now.
Yeah, Seasons in the Abyss. That was Dung. Wait, what was our band? What was it? Smoldering Dung. That's Smoldering Dung. Well, that's Slayer's second uh, album. Oh, that's right. Slayer, Seasons in the Abyss. That was actually kind of past me. Yeah, so. That's past Rain and Blood, right? Yes, that's. Yeah, that's and and Rain and Blood's not really their first album. I always keep forgetting. There's like. Oh, the, Show No Mercy. Yeah, exactly. That's so. my favorite. Yeah. Oh, hold on. We're going to get. Uh, going to get. Because, uh, you know, nothing says fun like uh, listening to us jibber jabber. Perfect. I thought it was production goblin. Nico's hobgoblin. Huh? No, you're the. He, he, that goes by smallest oh, and most powerful. Hobgoblin is big, right? Yeah, hob, hobgoblin is bigger than a uh, goblin. Oh, you want to be homunculus? Who wouldn't want to be homunculus? All right, let me hold on just a second. All right, we got that. Don't be giving us a plumber. Headphones on. All right, go ahead. Go try that. Go ahead. All right. Oh, I hear Dan loud. All right, so so now 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 Jordan can hear this shenanigans. All right. Oh, okay. All right, great. So. Oh, he couldn't hear me. No, we, we, I had to turn up the speaker, and then that's going to mess up the, uh, we'll get echo, so we don't want to do that. Okay. Very good. Okay, so now we have to do the thing that Kelly sent us, which for those who don't, you know, who didn't see our interview with Kelly and with uh, Tim, Eric, Eric. No, Eric Haas. Yeah. Yep. Uh, he is a man, very, uh, he, he is a prolific writer of fantasy stuff. I'll just say it that way. And so he sent us a... Where did you send me that? Through email? Well, I don't think he... Yeah, I think so. I don't think he wrote that. And he got, he got that off the internet. Oh, he did? Okay. Yeah, no, that's not his design. Though he is a prolific writer. Of, uh, we know of a lot of uh, secondary skills. Yes, which we, uh, which I'm going to have to put up at some point. Well, it's my fault because I owe you the... Uh, the soft copy. The, the, the Microsoft Word version, exactly. Right. He's, he's done like cheese making and oyster shucking. Uh, uh, scavenging. Setting snares, shopping, stone carving, tattooing, taunting, tickling, proficiency in tickling. I like that. Because why wouldn't you need that? Why wouldn't you? I, I think right. that's great. But he did send us a thing about what find, trying to find toilet paper. Is that right? Rolling a D20? Exactly. So you need me to find that? I think I emailed it to you. But oh, I you emailed you it me? to me? I think so. It probably would be an email. You probably did. I don't, I don't. I can minimize this. I just want to make sure I get back. Well, you'll, you'll probably shut it off, and that'll be the end of that. Right. That's that's okay. No, I'm going to work. I'm going to my email. Let's see. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. it was. Oh, I, you got it. Yep, I got it. Okay. So roll a d20. So for those who are, hold on. Let me see if I can. There we go. Put this up. So everyone out there needs to roll uh, a d. Let's see if I can make it look good. Uh, let's see. Back off. I can't. So in, in, in this time, you know, 1E is all about resource management, James, yeah. isn't it? Is yeah, it, it is about 1E. It's too bright. It's, I can't show people this, but it's the toilet paper panic of 2020. So you have and to roll, roll a d20 to figure out how you're going to either procure uh, toilet paper or use something else instead of toilet paper. And you know, James, this is something we don't talk enough about. I know, I know that Ed Greenwood has pointed out that, you know, uh, there's not been enough attention paid to nope. uh, uh, restrooms and things like that. And one yeah, doesn't work. Uh, Sorry, guys. Dungeons. I'll put it up later on Twitter. But some of the fun is knowing what you got. So uh, everyone out there should roll a d20, yeah, right? And yeah. you're going to tell us what we have to use as toilet paper. Right. So everyone roll a d20. I'll tell you what you, uh, in your quest for toilet paper, what you got. And, and it's generally high good or, or low? High is good. Well, no, I don't want to tell people because... Okay, you got it. See, that's the beauty of first edition. Every, 
when you play online and you're worrying about people cheating, which again, you better have different friends if you do that. Um, with first edition, you're never quite sure if first, rolling high or low is good or bad. So I'll let Jordan roll. You roll both of these. See, this is better, James, that they don't have. It's a family affair. Talk. That's right. Exactly. You rolled a two. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, here's my roll. Ooh, a 20. Whoa. That's awesome. Can I borrow some of your stuff? Yeah. Okay. And what'd you, you roll? Have? I rolled an eight. Eight. All right. We'll start with you. Congratulations, you get to use newspaper, which depending on, <laughs> depending on the newspaper, that's what it's useful for. That's right. Uh, Jordan, you rolled a two. Pine, stick, pine needles or sticks? <laughs> Let's just say you should hold it. Uh, Vic Dorso got an eight. Uh, you also got, you and Vic are using the same newspaper. He's using the, maybe the morning North Star yeah. or whatever, and you're using the Orlando Sentinel. All, all I have to say is if I walk in and I see Brandon, Using a stick as toilet paper, I've got some questions. <laughs> well, yeah, details. Uh, 12 is napkins. So Bucky using napkins. Um, well, David the Chamberlain got seven, so he could probably use the Unearthed Arcana, a.k.a. the book that shall not be named as his toilet paper, right? From our perspective. That's uh, right. John got That's a... What I'm, I'm glad you pointed that. That's what I'm going to. After I'm done with, with toilet paper, I'm heading to... That's exactly what I'm heading that, to. The, the book, the, toilet, the paper that shall not be named. Uh, John got 15. You got single ply. You know you got that work toilet paper that you find. This kind of... You have to use like half a roll to get the job done. 13, tissues, which again, it's not too bad. Uh, 20, you and I, Robert, got fancy named TP. So I'm guessing it's, you know, uh, Charmin Ultra Pro kind of uh, thing, which is awesome. Menion, you're uh, using grass. Uh, so I guess maybe, at least it's not a bonsai tree or something. So, And 11, paper towels, which you should not flush into the toilet. So I guess you hold on to them at that point. Shannon got tissues for 13. Brian got a four. Ooh, crunchy leaves. <laughs> <laughs> you can use them to make tea later. Yeah, that's right. Mmm, yummy. <laughs> build, it, build up the antibodies. Oh, that's right. That's how you get, that's why you just gotta swim in filth and make tea out of crunchy leaves and poop. That's all. Yeah. You, know what kind of, you know what kind of humor this is? Yeah. Toilet humor. That's toilet humor. Well, and there's your smoking done. You take the leaves right. and you cast protection from evil. There you go. I'm crushing for good. Right. That's right. You can use your leaves. Just burn the leaves. So there you go, folks. This is from Instagram. I'll, I'll post this up there. Uh, Xylery looks like the person who put it up there. So well done. So, if, But yeah, that's what's great about first edition. You tell, just tell people roll and then you can figure out what they, uh, what they get for it. So... All right, um, the last thing we have before we start the trial is Dragon 35. For those, for those reading at home, uh, this is, we're celebrating 1980. Um, yeah, that's right, Ozzy smoked one of those uh, bat dung uh, joints. Um, we're doing Dragon 35 because we're celebrating 1980 here in the, uh, in, on Grog Talk, and so this is ep, uh, issue 35, correct? Correct. All right. So, what's your thoughts about it? Initial thoughts. It was thoughts. okay. It was okay. Um, I thought the, the standout 
was was Gary's. I mean, it, typically, if Gary writes something, we're all going to pay attention. I, I thought the standout for me was Gary's Sorcerer Scroll article. Um, how about you? Did was there a standout for you? Well, yeah. Let me let me let people know if you go to anarchive.com if you want to look at a PDF just to follow along. We always, of course, recommend. Uh, if you can get the original, but I don't have the original here. What's interesting, the cover is actually from October, and there's a reference. You always try to remember back then. This was uh, the invasion of Afghanistan just happened, and why they used this as an October art, and then this was in March is beyond me, but it is very interesting that you have these demonic snowmen with machine guns moving towards Russian guards. I, I don't understand this. It almost looks like a heavy metal from the movie Heavy Metal. It should be part of. Well, you know, yeah, and, and you probably know where I did. They write that so this was commissioned in late fall '79. So we're not making any political statements or commentary, but you know, the kid does look a little Afghani. Yeah. So that sounds to me like there was as was a political <laughs> intention. So yeah, so dragons going political. All right. It's pretty interesting. Okay. So I think my uh, one is the errata. Because now I have a question for you. Yeah. Because in the past, we've said polyhedron is official, but is the official errata in Dragon official or is it not official? Oh, I would think it is. Well, so we know that Sorcerer Scroll, uh, not Sorcerer Scroll, that Sage Advice is not. I think absolutely, don't you think? I would say so, but I know in the past we've said, you've argued that only polyhedron is canonical, but. Well, you know, what's interesting about it is, is that, I mean, we're going to get into now a discussion of what is law, right? So, which is, you know, so, so. Hold so, on. So, 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 poly, so polyhedron, so why is polyhedron, polyhedron canon? Because it says it is? So, I mean. Well, that's who, us. I mean, we have the same thing. The, our, our rule is law because we say so. I mean. I, well, that's right. That's right. That, so, isn't, that a, isn't there a Latin word for that? The king's got, you know, divine, it's almost divine right. We, we say so, and thus it's true. Because it wasn't, I don't think polyhedron was not Gary, right? Polyhedron was, you know, other luminaries. Yeah. It was TSR, of course, and they said it's official. And my understanding is they may have said it's official in part to make people want it, right? If it's, and then I don't, I, I've seen someone say that. I don't know if that's true. Right. But so, um, yes, no, I would say this is official. Now, what's interesting about it is a lot of these changes, I believe, were made. And I looked up some of these changes in the copies I have. And it's weird. Some some were made and others weren't made. Um, for, so, um, like, I've got a player's handbook, which is 1978, which has some of these changes. But it didn't have the change on the dexterity table. If you look at the dexterity table. Uh, are, we, we're, are we going to that? Well, I didn't mean we can go. I mean, we're obviously certainly not going to go through each one. I just sort of wanted to point out that when I looked up in my book, I noticed that there were some changes that had been made and right. some hadn't, which I didn't under, I was confused by that. I didn't understand because you think either they were all made or they all weren't made. But Correct. I don't know. Maybe they, they caught some. So, Well, that's um, on page four. And I agree with you. Uh, I've always considered um, the rulings. I mean, it says official, which means it would be fixed. And even the sage advice, it was more informed decisions than your normal thing would make. So if it wasn't canonical, at least it was more informed. But I would consider persuasive authority. Yeah, okay. Oh, very good. Persuasive authority. I like that. I'm going to write that down. Right. So in other words, yeah, I mean, it, 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 I think it's, 
I think it's entitled to deference unless you believe it is is deference. is clearly incorrect. This is fascinating. Isn't this it? is good. <laughs> and I'm not paying for this like your students are. I can I'm getting this for free. All right. So that's all right. Can you, so, can you quote some case law related to this? Well, I think, of course, you know, um, Asmodeus versus um, um, Jublix. Right. I think, right, of course, from the, the what, the third age, 247. Yeah. Is, you know, oh, now you're just making I think stuff up. The high, the high Court of Greyhawk held that, uh, you know, that sage advice is simply persuasive, not binding. Because Asmodeus, of course, was trying to argue it was binding. And, right. uh and, you know, because it was good for his case. Prima, and, and prima, prima facie, it was clearly. I mean, but you and know. Uh, prima facie, race ipsa loquit are all those. <laughs> Dominus sequitur. <laughs> ex post facto. <laughs> That's right. Mens rea. I, well, you know, what are we trying to get out of here? Excellent. There was there was an episode of Seinfeld, wasn't there, where Jerry was arguing, I think, at the counter about the reservation, and he was citing. He's like, "Well, I think the case of Smith versus." He's just making That's, up these cases. Exactly. That's awesome. <laughs> Well, you know, I got to tell you, the arena uh, is pretty boring. Well, I apologize, but there's an amicus brief that people want uh, to submit for Asmodeus right now, so we have to wait for that as well. But go <laughs> ahead. Well, I'm just going to say, look, the reality is that the, you know, unless you're going to go through and make all these changes, it's pretty boring. The arena, isn't it? I right. mean, it's not. Is it fun reading? No. No. No, but it is no. interesting. Um, the. Like I said, some of the things that have been contentious, they do resolve. Like, well, not contentious. People have had questions about the wisdom for, you know, bonuses for druids is clarified here. Um, the dexterity for half orcs is clarified here. Oh yeah, that's right. Where is the? Uh, oh, that's right. Eleven B. Thank you, because I thought that was a sage advice. That's right. They say wisdom table two. That's a big one. Should be changed to read adjustments for clerics and druids. So that actually is, yeah, okay, that's officially changed. Thank you. Good, good catch. Right. Uh, it talks about aging, which we talked about before, and um, oh, can I ask you? Okay, wait, right underneath the wisdom table, I think they made a mistake. They say dexterity table one strike fourteen is max dexterity for right. yeah. a half or exactly seventeen. Oh, I see. I should read. Oh, ma oh, okay. I see. So. It had said 14 was the max dexterity for right. And they, okay, no, that's right. So, yeah, they can obviously go up to 17. Right. Okay. So we're talking about the player's handbook. So uh, if this is, a, you know, since you're all in, imprisoned in your house, what a fun little game. You can pull up Dragon 35 and see if your version of the player's handbook or Monster Manual or DMG is not correct. So if you look uh, in, in this case, page 11... You will see on uh, chart dexterity table one, it says 14 maximum dexterity for half or character. What they're saying here is delete that, should be stricken, and above ability score 17 should read maximum dexterity for dwarf or half or character. Mine, mine is incorrect. Is yours incorrect? Mine is incorrect as well. So we need to, and maybe what we can do, this would be a great podcast. We could go through and handwrite and pencil all those changes right. to our players. I think we should do that for next week. So that would be super, everyone. So, so look, look forward to that, us penciling and flipping. That's, it's, it sounds like detention. <laughs> That's right. Penciling <laughs> and flipping. Okay. Is there any, I think, was there any other interesting gaffes? Um, well, and, and again, it's, we always played it by uh, character race table three, which showed that half orcs could have 17. I, I think, yeah, we did too. Yeah, most people, I think, forget about the fact that there's very useful information on the attribute tables. 
But you're right. You better double check it. But, you know, because somewhere there is one about like a half elf magic user has like a minimum intelligence or something like it's weird. Right. I'm telling you, there's weird stuff going on if you look at this. Right. But I don't know. But now I can't find it. No one wants to wait while I. While you turn and flip. Okay. Yeah, it's probably actually in the half elf thing, but whatever. All right. So. That's interesting. And again, there's a couple that were relevant. Then our dear friend, Alan Hammock, who had uh, the lighter side, he actually uh, put typos in, uh, kind of, you know, he was, as if you remember our interview with him, he talked about the process of making the DMG and the effort that it took to make it as good as it is, in spite of the fact that it has a lot, some inconsistencies. But typos, it doesn't have that many. I mean, if you look at it, it's a much larger book, but uh, it's not too bad as far as inconsistencies and errors. So he came up with some mighty magical, uh, mighty miscellaneous magic typos, like the Ring of Three Witches, which is rather self-explanatory, and the Wand of Lightning, which I like. That's also good. So they're interesting. There's a yeah, lot of. Let me, go ahead. I just want to mention on that because now you know. I wish I had seen that. I probably did see it and didn't pay enough attention to it before our interview with Alan. But, you know, because I'd asked him if his role was substantive or, or was it more just, you know, for grammar and things like that. And he pointed out, well, no, it was substantive. Right. Make sure things made sense. And, and here this confirms it, of course, um, that um, they obviously, when, when, when editing the DMG, they were spending a lot of time, right? He says here what? making sure, you know, debating whether this magic item was more powerful than that one and should we make this one more powerful. So that's very interesting, right? So you got all these guys um, sitting around. I can't remember if there were any, I said guys, I, I don't mean to be sex. I can't remember if there's any women that were uh, involved in the editing of the DMG or not. You're not uh, here for two weeks and you look at how you've reverted back. It's just, it's sad. I know, it's sad. It is sad. But um, yeah, but so they were obviously, you know, debating things about the magic items. So that was kind of interesting. Right. And so keep moving forward. We have a sage advice, right? And there's the famous one we just were talking about. Can a magic user cast spells while holding a dagger, staff, or wand? What, what are you doing to your, your... You look like you're oscillating your laptop. Either that or... Oh, something. I'm sorry. I'm scrolling. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's, when you're doing that, your, your whole thing is shaking. It's, it's like you're... Like an earthquake. Right. You're having an earthquake while this is happening. People are getting... People are throwing up online. They're getting... Oh, nauseous. I'm sorry. So it's okay. Is that better? Yes, that's better. So, well, no, I'm not. Oh, you know what I can do? I can do this. Is this, am I shaking now? No, that's good. Okay, so I shouldn't touch the, yeah, because I'm touching the screen. Yeah, don't do that. So, so if I recall, and I, and I wish maybe people in the chat know, but I could have sworn that Gary <laughs> was upset with Gene Wells' comment that you could hold a weapon and cast a spell. Right. It made sense to me that what she said was, she qualifies it, right? Doesn't she say assuming that nope. you, you can do it? Well, it says, so what we're talking about, question. This is under Sage Advice. Can a magic user cast spells while holding a dagger, staff, or wand in one hand? Answer, yes, provided that he has two hands and the free one is able to fulfill the somatic requirements. So what I find interesting is that you still have to have two hands regardless. So I love that's that to me is typical Gene. I th I think Gene Wells is very funny. Yeah. That to me is is classic Gene Wells with that comment. Yeah, you still have to have two hands even though one is <laughs> occupied. 
as long as the other one can do that. So I guess you could do, I mean, it's again, it's very classical. If you even if you look at the the the, uh, the logo from TSR, it's got the wizard, right? He's got the wand in one hand and he's got the other. So, um, but it kind of infers that if you lose a hand, you can't cast spells. Well, you can, you just can't hold a dagger, right? No, what it says is answer yes, providing that he has two hands. And and the free yeah, but the question is, can a magic user cast spells while holding a dagger? Right. So if I'm if I only have one hand and I'm holding a dagger, staff, or wand, I can't cast a spell because I don't have one. Okay. She seems to be suggesting that certain somatic requirements could just be one-handed. Right. Basically, that's correct. And, and I, go ahead. I was just say I think, and again, I I wish I could find it. I think Gary took issue with that. That and if look at Gary's face, if Gary takes issue with it, then. That's pretty much canon. Um, that you're, you know, you're supposed to be doing this. Yeah. Right. Not that. Well, and like some of the people are saying, burning hands. It's it's not burning hand. It's burning hands. You get two. What about a touch? What about a touch spell? Well, I guess you that, can that, use one. Okay. That's also I you, also worry where the other person's hand is. If you if you're touching with one, where's the other hand? That's the question. I mean, I guess the good news is you just ask if holding it. So not using it. No right. one's going to allow you to attack and cast. I no, mean, right? that's, that's correct. Okay. Well, I just um, find that interesting. Right. Uh, also, it clears up, if you're being attacked, you can't shoot. Can, can you shoot arrows at someone attacking you in hand-to-hand combat? The short answer is no. In fact, that's, very, literally, very, that's literally what she yep, says. Yep, very short. No. No, you can't. So, right. so there's a few other ones. And again, but I th- and, and the other one... Can thieves be chaotic good? And she says thieves can only be neutral or evil, but not good. I think she's going to, if I recall correctly, I think she's going to correct this. We'll see. Okay. I think she's going to correct this in a later sage advice because she forgot, forgets about neutral good. But right now, I'm telling all my players, don't give me your neutral good nonsense. You're either neutral or evil. James's position is, just like you say a neutral cleric is a druid, you say a good thief is a monk. That's right. right. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. You're not letting them go neutral. Why? You're not letting them go neutral good? Because Gene Wells said it. If if I was my 11 or 12-year-old self back then, I would say this is in the Dragon Magazine. This is as, as legitimate as... The DMG. I may but be it wrong. actually says it. But it actually says it in the player's handbook that yeah. you can be neutral. But good. this is later. We're using that persuasive authority, like you said, and you know the things stack up, right? You've got the player's handbook, the monster manual, player's handbook, DMG. This is the you know the in order of newness. This the DMG should supersede the other ones because it's a newer material, correct? Yeah, and as a matter of fact, I think some of the errata was to make it consistent, right? The DMG and the player's handbook, if I recall correctly. Like, like the mon- like the giant strength. Giant strength was greater in the player's hand. Oh, I'm sorry, in the monster manual. Yeah. The monster manual, the giant strength was greater than it was later, and so that had to be cleaned up. Um, yeah, no, I don't know. No, I dissent. Okay. No, I dissent because it is, it's not binding. Not binding. He's just wrong. He's just but, wrong. But you're looking at that from 2020. But in 1980, if you were to see this in Dragon Magazine, you would say no? I don't have the player's handbook? You do, but this is newer than the player's handbook. No, I would no, I wasn't I was no. I I I I understood the I'm sure I understood the difference 
between sage advice and the Bible. I think I would be like Gene. Wal- Look, weren't we all obnoxious? We still are. We're, we're gamers. Weren't we like Gene Wells is wrong? Okay. Did you talk to Gary? What does Gary say? Well, I assume they do. Again, I assume there's like a council meeting where they pulled all these out and laid it out. You heard, heard, didn't we ask Alan what the council meeting was? It was someone sticking their head in someone's door. That's right, exactly. Hey, what do you think about this? I agree. So how did this go down? So Jean Wells sticks her head in Alan Hammock's door and goes, hey, Alan, can can, uh, these be good? Of course they can't be good. Thanks. Right. And she writes it. Right. That, would, that, was, that was it? Yeah, you're probably right, but that's, that's why this is very confusing. Imagine month after month, something you've been playing for years, and all of a sudden someone writes it in a magazine. You have to change the game. Yeah. It's, it's, she's going to correct it okay. sometimes. Well, see, but you she's, don't know that. She's the one. Didn't she send a, what, she send a mule into a dungeon or something? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I What's get, the one that doesn't go around corners? One of them doesn't go around corners. Uh, ponies. I guess. Okay. I don't remember. All right, let's keep going. <laughs> All, right. All right. Angels, I didn't read it. I didn't care. Looks good, but... Oh, well, yeah. Well, you know, technically the question... Sorry. The question was, can they be chaotic good? Well, the answer to that was clearly no. All right. Uh, angels was interesting. I mean, I didn't read it a lot. It is interesting that we don't have angels. Right. They have devils right? and demons, but they don't have angels. Right. Okay. I think the I think back then I think the idea of you know trying to attack angels was a little you, if you if you're worried about the satanic panic before ah, I just killed my, uh, the archangel Michael that's probably not because you're you're getting really close to fighting Jesus at that point. Well, they're, they're supposed to help you. Yeah, but if you're good, if right. you're evil, then right. against the angels. Right against the angels, uh, you know. An assassin in the seven heavens, or whatever it is. Right. Well, what I thought was interesting is that we've got these dastardly deeds and devious devices. So even before Grimm's Tooth, right? Grimm's Tooth, right? It's quite famous. I think it was 1981, Flying Buffalo, is that people were already, in 1980, people are already designing deadly traps, right? I, right. I see something, lava pipes, moving walls, ceiling grid. It doesn't sound good. This sounds to me like someone was in geometry and they weren't paying attention. They were designing lava traps because they didn't, they were more interested. I mean, some of these are ridiculous, like uh, the eighth wonder of the world here that they're trying to build, but it's good. I, I think the simplest pit trap is always the best or the spear trap. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm not a big fan of Grimtooth. I know, I think Vic Dorso is. Yeah. They're just, I don't know. They're like ways to kill characters. Yeah, well, that's why he likes it. <laughs> um. So we have the rankings. We skipped giants, by the way. Oh yeah, but the giants. So they're giants from literature, right? They're creatures from books, right? So I guess if you're not a fan of the book, you're not probably doing much with those, right? Yeah, that's true. Because I was moving to rank Bob Blake. We got to find that guy. First place. Yeah, that's well. That's it. The current. This is the current character rate. uh, Current player rates. We talked to uh, Alan Hammock who in the last tournament ranked higher than Gary Gygax, which, you know, was, we, we, he, he was Gary only, Gary only has 32 points here. Right. So back in the day, imagine you could be ranked as a D&D player. That's what this is based on the tournaments. You can win at D&D. You can crush it. That's right. Yeah, you got one guy who's doing great. But Gary Gygax, the person who wrote the game, <laughs> is what, like 19th or 20th place here? Yeah. How can that be? 
Tim Cass, yeah. the editor, he's worse. That makes sense, Dave. No, yeah, you know, I'll tell you how it is. You know how it happens? Everyone else is playing it wrong. Right. That's right. Have you read my books? <laughs> right. Ten points for that. What? And and Gene, well, to your point, if I would have read Gene Wells' thing and see that she's only got four points, <laughs> I probably would have said you're right. Well, she she thinks, doesn't have no idea she, what she's talking about. He thinks thieves can be, you know, thieves. She thinks he can't have a good thief. Right. Exactly. I'm surprised. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's rough. Ernie. Ernie. Yeah. He's he's only four. a few better. It's not yeah. very good. Don Eric Holmes there. Jim Ward, we'll have to ask Jim. He was ahead. So Jim Ward is 48. Right. He's got 48 points, yeah. Mm -hmm. Most recent finish, uh, one out of 80. I don't know, not eight out of 79. So then if you go to Masters 3, the search for the Armadillo Amulet. Okay. Let's look at the rankings there. Uh, Gary Gygax, 47. Wait, wait, stop. These scores don't make any sense. No, stop. How can you say the search for the armadillo amulet and just move on? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> what is this? Is this a module? Can we find it? I need to look on eBay. That's I've right. never heard of this thing. The search for the armadillo amulet. Yeah. The turn was a little different. It was played as a one-on-one event. Ooh. Oh. I didn't read that. That's cool. Identical character and access to wide variety of magic. Then the players were sent on a mission to locate a strange object called the Armadillo Amulet, which was hidden in the castle of an evil high priest. Oh, the old EHP. Yeah. Okay, hang on. I got to Google the search there. Or you can, I'll handle that. Three hours later. Okay, so scoring was, yeah, so they, scoring was held in a negative manner with the lowest score winning. So, in addition to receiving points for magic items selected, the players were given points for those items that fail, they failed to return intact. So, if that's the case, the score, Gary Gygax and Ernie came, and Gene Wells, she came in dead last in this out of 50. Gene Wells came in last in the search for the armadillo <laughs> that's right. amulet? That's right. Okay, you ready for this? I typed in search, I typed, typed in search for the armadillo amulet. Typing in search for doesn't help things. Most of my hits were on Etsy. Uh, armadillo amulet? Of course. Yeah, I'm searching for, uh, I'm going to have to put that in quotes. That's right. Yeah. I'm getting a lot of Etsy amulets. Uh, you, well, you, we need to buy one and put it here if people figure out what that means. But look at this. It's basically, well, what is wonderful is that Christine Bailey from Illinois is the number one, came in first. Whoa, we got to find her to right. talk about this search. Right. How does she feel that she beat all the luminaries in TSR land? Al Hammock didn't do so well either. Dragon 35 is coming up. Yeah, that's good. Wait, star product. Okay, hold on. And we're flipping and we're waiting. We're clicking. We're clicking. Uh, Don we're Turnbull, clicking. he from England, for our friends, he, he came in 35th. That's pretty bad. Some of these luminaries are, are horrible at this game. All right, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to give it the search for now, but this is fascinating. All right. Yeah. So that's, yeah, but consistently Gary, whose name is on every book of this, 47th, 22nd, <laughs> I don't understand that. How could, if, who is DMing him in this? Who's the DM? You know what would be great? So when he was, because he's starting to get interviewed around these times, right? Because 1980, d is exploding. It would be great if he went on like Tom Snyder, which he did or some, and Tom Snyder was like, what do you have to say for yourself with your 
32 point total right. Right. in How? the you wrote Bob the game Bledsaw. Bob Bledsaw Judges Guild only four points yeah they suck <laughs> terrible uh, yeah I don't I if I was DMing Gary it would be like uh, yeah I cast mending oh that's perfect congratulations that's awesome good job he would he would be I would think it'd be more like the dear leader he gets to win everything yay he won again so I don't that works Gary <laughs> that's right of course that works perfect mending <laughs> you're brilliant that's right yes and everyone applauds. <laughs> so they all clap. And no one stops. They keep clapping until they get tired. <laughs> right, until he leaves. Until he leaves. Ah, I, I, I don't understand how he's... Who's telling him he's wrong? I cast Mending. Oh. We need to remember some of these questions for Jim Ward. Right, exactly. This is amazing. We know, we know people that we can ask about this. All right, perfect. All right, let's see. Minoan Legends didn't read it, even though I'm sort of Greek. Uh, it's not like you would read it back in the day, right? Oh, you're doing the shaking again. I'm, oh, ugh. sorry. Sorry, that's true. Gosh. Back to errata. Yeah, more errata. Flipping, scrolling. Yeah. And there's a lot in the Monster Manual. Who cares? I mean, this, I guess it's good that people figured this out. Uh, oh, yeah. David pointed out the surprise is even more confusing now that they put the errata. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Can we go to the surprise errata? Yes. Because this is stunning to me that this is errata. So I'm on page 34 yep. of Dragon Magazine, and there is on the bottom right, page 62. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, and people can debate this if they want. This, this, if you need errata for this errata. It's double go errata. To the, it's, you need a double errata. Go to the bottom two, right? Right. Where the party rolls a one and the monster rolls a two. It should not be party surprise. Right. It should be monster surprise because right. you are surprised by the number of segments. And, and, and the last one, and it bothers me. I've actually did a dragon's foot, right? Where else? If you type in like page 62, mm -hmm. DMG, surprise, dragon's foot, right. I think you will see a Dan Gormansky posting about this. Um, I mean, if someone can does, convince me... Does someone threaten to punch you in the face? Or? That was a different thread. Oh, that okay. was laying to that thread. And yeah, they said if I was their DM, they would have punched me in the, in the nose. All right. So, so I'm, I'm happy to be convinced that I'm wrong about this being wrong. Isn't that wrong, James? I believe it's wrong. You've convinced me it's wrong. Right. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I didn't care get. back in the day, but now I do. So it's wrong. Well, people get confused, in my opinion, and I look, polyhedron actually got it wrong, too, so this is going to be a matter, if we ever do a surprise show, it, we'll have a, a, a lively debate on That's this. That's what we would call it, the surprise show. The surprise, surprise show. Yeah. Surprise, right? You're surprised we spent two hours talking about surprise. Got people it. People think, right? And we can surprise have this debate, because I think that some of our listeners may play it this way, too, right? So a lot of people play it. Because I think on the bottom of page 61, it talks about surprise difference, and it has like a four to one is a three-segment surprise difference. So a lot of people play it that no matter what your surprise role is, you do the difference as long as one party is surprised. I take the position that it is only if both parties' roles are indicating surprise that you do the difference. So you could have a four, right, because you could have a monster that surprises on a one and four. Right. Um, so I think, number one, that's the first thing that caused confusion. But I just think that around, I think that's wrong. I mean, I don't know. I like to get people's thoughts on that. I know David Thompson brought it up, uh, but I just, I think that, I think it's wrong. Well, but that's, I, I, I like your idea, but the, the way it's written, 
and what you know David's saying the same thing, which is, but, but it doesn't make sense based on if they're both surprised, you subtract it. Because the part that makes it weird is that the high, if you if you are surprised, the higher number is worse. I, I understand that because lower is lower starts worse, right? Right, because a one or a two is typically surprised, so lower starts worse, and then all of a sudden the higher lower, right, is worse. The higher lower, that, that's right. Right, that makes that's so much the, sense. Yeah, but you know what? But once you understand it, then it, well, I mean that's true with everything. Once you understand it, it make you know it, it, it makes sense. Is that it, it? Once you say it's the number of surprise segments, what Gary could have done is do it inversely, but then it gets very hard, right? It could have been like a one is a two and a two is a one. Once you say it is the amount of segments that you are surprised, which we know is a very nasty rule, because if you were surprised on a one and four, right, what is like giant toads or something, something yeah. like this thing, right? You roll a four, you're surprised for four segments. So you're surprised for, if you roll a two, you're surprised for two segments. So a two, if you are surprised, a higher roll is actually worse. And, yes. and that's correct. Right. And, right. That's, and so that's why I think that's wrong there. I think the one and the two, it should be. That it should be switched around down there. Yes, I agree with you, but that's not how it's written. And then the errata is still written the wrong way. It's double yeah, wrong. I would like to know what the original is. Mine is fixed. Yes. So I don't know what the original DMG said. It'd be interesting to know what the original DMG was. But we, I'm, I'm stunned. We may have to ask someone who has a you know, old school first edition, first you know, printing of that. Right. What it right. says. Okay. Okay. But surprise is fun. It's awesome. All right, moving on. They got about swords, Mesa disruption. No, it's okay. Stias, use your mouse or whatever you got. Use yeah, I got it on here. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, and some things were new, like encumbrance, apparently. It became an appendix. That was new that they added. Of standard items? Oh, yeah, I guess so. I think they said that was new. Some of the stuff was new appendices to the DMG. So it wasn't errors. I think just some of it didn't have it. Oh, I'd be curious to see an original one because since I've had one, I don't know what printing this is. It's always had an uh, encumbrance table. So I'm looking. This yeah, is this is revised edition, December 1979. So I don't know. It doesn't say what do, printing it is. Where do you? Yeah, I don't know either. It's it's, it's where the isbin is on the the thing with the unicorn. Oh, yeah, I got it. Yeah, I'm the same thing, December 1979. So I don't, I don't know if it has, like in the player's handbook, it talks about the printing. Right. The there, specific right. printing. So this is obviously, that's waste. It's people, people will know. People will tell you, right? I mean, you now know, look at your surprise, look at your surprise table. Right. If it's jacked up. I'd like to see the original. I'm sure it's online somewhere. Okay, keep it moving on. Everything has a price. Angels, exactly. Uh, a lot of Traveler stuff. Again, I'd love to play Traveler, but... Uh... And then there's the... Uh, Len Lakofka did his tra uh, training thing, which I love Len, but it was a lot. It was a lot. Okay, I, it would be fun to have Len on, because what I'd like to know is how much of first edition by the book was, was Len playing? So Len has a lot of different, right? I mean, a lot of his articles are, are detailed, Right. And changes right. and changes is a different experience. So it is interesting. I mean, you know, are these things that Len disagreed with Gary? Because we know Len was reviewing. He was one of the few outside reviewers, not TSR employees, who was reviewing the DMG as is being written. And it'd be interesting to know, like, how did Len have a lot of? Are these Len's disagreements? Like, Gary, you shouldn't do experience the way you're doing it. Yeah, and Gary's like, yeah, you know. 
yeah, it sucks. Here, this is how I should do it. And it's very complicated, but we've, we've talked about experience being a problem in that if you play it as written, your, your party will very unlikely, very not have the money they need to train. Even if they're exceptional, 1,500 gold pieces, most of them will not have the money to train when they have the experience points. Right. And then right. you get this kind of constant, and I get the idea because you're wanting not to people have a bunch of money and doing stupid things, but it's taken I, to the I, extreme. I will tell you, I, dis, I do dislike the experience of that. When I ran the, when I was, was running the group, with a campaign as opposed to one-offs. I hated keeping track of experience. Remember, we'd sit there, the game was done, we're all tired. Right. It's like 11 o'clock, and we're like, and you were always nice, because you would stay and help with that. And But you know, it's a drag, because the adventure's done, and you sit there for like 45 minutes. What did we kill? How many? And you're flipping through the adventure. It's a pain. Right. I hated it. And you know? Nothing says f fantasy, fun, and adventure like accounting and Excel spreadsheets. Right. That's, yeah. that's what I signed up for. Right? All to at the end of it be like, oh, yeah, you don't have enough XP. Six, well, and we did when we did our episode where uh, Pixie and Glades, you're like, I barely survived. How much experience? Oh, you see, you fought two hobgoblins. That's yeah. uh, 28 experience points. Exactly. <laughs> I, one of my guys almost got killed. Well, oh, and your multi-class, divide that by two. So you got Well, I, I actually don't have a problem with any of that. I just didn't like the, I, I didn't have the problem with the slow... Uh, level. Like, who was it? We had somebody on recently who said that what it took them like years to be, and they only went up a couple levels. Right. I don't who that was. Somebody was really tough. So, um, all which right. Is, which is good. I mean, because once you uh, once you get it, the game becomes more problematic the higher level you get because people the, yeah. the, the and it makes it harder for the DM. I think there's some DMs who do it well. I do it okay, but you know it's always. It, it's much more ch hard, it takes a lot of work to challenge the players without killing them. Right. As I found out with the giants. Uh, or you have to really know your module inside and out like Vic does and you know some of that. Right. Okay, well very good. I think it wait. is time, go, go ahead. Wait, wait, oh we didn't talk about, was, I wanna talk quick, it's the Sorcerer's Scroll by oh. Gary. Oh, I'm sorry, yes, I apologize, go ahead. Well I just wanna say real quick, that, that was fascinating because if, I don't know if you noticed there, they said that they, Gary in the Sorcerer's Skull talks about the writing of the Holmes Basic edition. Oh, okay. And, 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 and um, he talks about how there was this discussion as to whether or not Holmes Basic should direct players essentially be a gateway to OD&D or should it be a gateway to AD&D. And it sounds like, you know, well, I know I say sounds like, Gary says it. He felt OD&D was a mess. I mean, any you know, because they wrote it. They wrote it for insiders, people that they assumed understood wargaming, and and they did it fast. And but they considered he considered it, you know, a, basically a mess. And so they didn't want to send people to. They decided at the end not to send people to OD and D, which was viewed as more sort of because the problem was apparently was that basic Holmes basic was very open ended. I mean, Gary talks about this where he says that Holmes basic is kind of open ended. Not a lot of rules, a lot of flexibility for the DMG, for the DM, whereas AD&D is much more strict on the rules that you have to follow. And, you know, so it would make sense to send them to OD&D, which had that similar sort of flavor, but they thought it was a mess. So they decided to send them to AD&D. And so hence what you got, as you may have noticed, if anyone has played Holmes Basic, is you have a bunch of references 
that were thrown in at the end to, oh, you'll see more of this in AD&D. You want to go beyond third level, play AD&D. But it, the problem is Holmes Basic and AD&D are very different. Yeah. And, you know, this idea that you'd go from Holmes Basic to AD&D, I don't know. It just I think it clunked. And I think his article, we now have insight is into why it clunked because they just sort of figured it was better to send people to AD&D. Well, and it's also the, the thing of the future. And, you know, we also know in hindsight that AD&D is his game. D&D is Dave Arneson and his game combined. And he's trying to move past it. You know, he's, this, is, this is his game now. And, you know, he doesn't say it in the article, but we know that from other things that he was step, trying to separate and make it his. And so, you know, almost Machiavellian, it's to cleave himself from the old old way and come up with his version of it. And, you, and it, you, so you could, I mean, you clearly, you go from a 60 page thing to this where you've got a bunch of rules. This is clearly a, a much more detailed and prescriptive uh, rule set. And it is interesting because he talks about how they're going to now start focusing on basic, I assume, you know, because they're going to they're be coming out with, I can't remember which one. I think the Menser Basic, I believe, came out before Moldvay and Moldvay, Cook, I believe. Moldvay is first. Okay, I'm sorry, Moldvay. Because that's it, you started with Moldvay, right? That's right. So Moldvay talks about how they're going to really be shifting to mold, an emphasis on Moldvay. Um, and it is interesting because I guess, you know, there is sort of a desire for a lot of players out there to have a more flexible style of play. And so basic, you know, I, I think basic, that word basic, like, like you talked about this where, oh, it's advanced. So we want to be advanced, right. which I think is, un, which I think is unfortunate, right? Because in some respects, I wonder, I've never played mold day basic, but, but I wonder if mold day allows for a much more sort of open, flexible, a kind of thing that I, I might enjoy. So I, I just don't know. I haven't played it. Yes. Yes. And okay. yes, I think, yeah. well, and what you've also uh, listening to other podcasts there is the backroom deals that are going on. Because again, this is a business. And you know, I was listening to something about Empire of the Petal Throne on another podcast, uh, Save for Half. And um, basically, you know, TSR would make these deals with folks and um, they would make them really good for them. And they realize, ooh, they're, they're, the author's gonna make more money than us. We're not making a whole lot of money. They would just abandon it. They wouldn't spend any effort. And whether it was homes, you know, anything going forward, uh, they would try to change the deals. And, and so I'm, there may have been part of that as well, that, hey, we want to make more money. It's kind of like your, your, your initial contract with the record deal is bad. Now I want to do my own contract and, and take control of this thing. So, but I agree with you. For me, looking back, we wanted to play advanced Dungeons & Dragons. We didn't want to play basic. We played it because it, it came with a module and it came with everything you needed. Um, but we, we, we used the advanced rules as, and, and grafted them onto the basic. Now looking back, I, I like that version better because it's not as prescriptive and you can do more things. And you know, with a 60-page book, you can play D&D. Well, and, and what's interesting, I don't know if you noticed where he said that Holmes Basic was selling amazingly well. Um, at this time. So right. it's March 1980. And if you think about it, because if the kid says, Mom, I want to play Dungeons and Dragons, well, what you're going to probably buy is a 12 year old kid, you're probably going to buy the basic because it's all right there. You're going to buy the basic. That's right. You're not going to buy these three books 
Exactly. You know, um, with demon on it. Exactly. Demon on it. Right. Monsters on it. Right. I'd rather just right, right. It's not as bad as, as the cover of Holmes Basic. Yeah. yeah. So Holmes Basic is a d- dragons no, fighting fantasy. No, no, no Jubilex in there. Nope. No Jubilex. No half naked women. Right. Satanic women who are going to take you know here's here's my original basic mold vase. Uh, I use twist ties to keep it together. That's is that, uh, do you know is that eighty one? So that's coming out soon. So it's March nineteen eighty now. And you know there's a lot of Greyhawk discussion. This I'd be interested. This is a first printing, January nineteen eighty one. Wow. So we're very huh? soon. Yeah. And that's Tim Cook. Tim Cook. Mold vase and Tim Cook. Yes. So this is very soon. So yeah. So. They're working on this quite a bit right now. And I'll tell you, you know what I loved about that was I love the artwork. Yeah. It's Errol Otis, right? I believe. I love the artwork. Yeah. Um, oh, hold on. Hey, Jonathan, welcome. You have been uh, issued a title. Look in the uh, chat and you'll see your title. Congratulations. Oh, so that is the official. I've seen that. I mean, we, we probably were segueing too much here, not segueing. We're digressing. Here's, here's an official character sheet, the green ones back in the day. Look at that. So anyway, we're supposed to talk about the book that shall not be named. Wait, can I wait? Wait, I have one more question for you. Yes. Do you remember the, with the module? Did that come with uh, In Search of the Unknown or Borderlands? What Bor- did that come with? It came with Borderlands. It came with Borderlands. Here's the module that it came with. The original thing. I don't have the box anymore. It got destroyed. But okay, I've got uh, Gary in the Sorcerer Scroll article. Gary says that he is working on a new adventure for the basic set. I think he may even said to be included with the basic set. Well, my understanding is Keep on the Borderlands was published in December 1979. If you believe Wikipedia, that's what it says. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it was Keep on the Borderlands, but I don't know what he was talking about then. So. But, but that's the same thing they did. They replaced, because B1, I guess, was a better royalty for, I forgot who wrote B1, uh, Search of the Unknown. That's why he wanted to rewrite it, so that he would make more money, or the TSR would make more money from that. So, yeah. Because okay. same thing, they... they because for a while you could get Holmes, Basic, and Moldvay, um, but they were pushing Moldvay, which again, I've read both. I didn't start with Holmes, so I don't have that nostalgia for it. For me, the nostalgia is with uh, Moldvay Basic, and if you wanted to play D&D, this is the rules to start with. It's pretty simple. I'm, I'm, I'm very lukewarm. Can you be very lukewarm? Uh, you are. I'm, You're super lukewarm. I'm super lukewarm on Holmes Basic. You know, the best thing, you know, the best thing that came out of Holmes Basic without question is, of course, the sample dungeon, right. you know, the, the, the Tower of Xenopus. That, that is, that's, that's in my top five on uh, adventures. But uh, the, the rules themselves, meh. Right. Well, it, it's, it's a bridge between uh, OD&D, which is, it assumes a lot of things, and AD&D, which is still hard to get your head around. It doesn't solve the basic problem is, I have no idea what this game is about. Help me with that. And I think Menser, in some ways, helps it even further with the solo adventure where you can kind of see that. But you could certainly figure out how to do it with this. It was relatively easy, and it had enough to move forward. So anyway, that's, uh, and Bargle, that's right, from Xenopus. Uh, this is big, a pushy, a big production. All rights to